Welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This episode, 237 Fast and Furious, Lap 11. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, And this episode's brought to you by Tamsworth Distilling, where they make the Grave Robber Unholy Rye Maple uh, maple Syrup Flavored Whiskey uh, infused with maple syrup from their graveside maple trees. So shout out to Tamsworth Distilling. Well, shout out to Tamworth Distilling, and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. After the break, we'll be joined by at OhMyRodriguez on Twitter, Brian Rodriguez of High School's Thumber Party, Ooh. to talk about Fast and Furious. But Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you, you've been, a, you've been a, you've had a busy week since we last recorded. I had a really, really eventful past five days. So, you know, we record on Wednesdays, Thursday mm-hmm. morning. I got up, took off, and went to Vegas to see my buddies because it was the finals of the Fantasy Hockey League. I wasn't in the finals. I had lost in the semifinals, so it was two of my other friends in the finals. But it was a very, very close match, and it came down to the very last days, like the last days. So how many people are in your league, and how many people were out in Vegas? Uh, There's eight in the league, and there was five of us in Vegas. Okay. Small league, but pretty good showing. Okay. Yes. So yeah, it came down to the last day because the last uh, regular season hockey games were, you know, Thursday and Friday night. Those were like the last two games. That's how the season ran. I had told you we didn't know this when we were like booking it because we, you know, we were like, oh, like, let's just meet up so we can um, celebrate and watch the last games together. And because some of my friends are in California and D.C. and Atlanta and Connecticut, me here, um, we were like, Vegas seems like a good central point to meet up at, easy to get to and a fun place to go watch some games. So when we booked everything, we were like, why is everything like so fucking sold out? And like, this is like December, right? So we're like, it's like a random weekend in April. Like this doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, later on we found out. And as we knew when we were going that the NFL draft was happening uh, that weekend in Vegas. So the NFL draft is also free. So we just signed up for tickets and it happened to be a very, very pivotal year for the Steelers because it's the first draft we've entered into in 17 years that we didn't have, like, an official franchise quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. We're, like, sick. We're going to the draft. But, like, you know, obviously you don't know what your team's going to do. So um, we went to the round one on Thursday night when, after we landed. I'm, like, super amped. So we watched, like, you know, maybe, like, the first three or four picks – and then we were like, well, the Steelers don't pick till 20. Um, it's kind of packed here. Man, the, the crowds on TV made it look like it was like a music festival, but you wouldn't you weren't seeing music. You were just like watching like tall athletic dudes like on stage. Like, yeah. And you know that it happens pretty slow, right? You get like, what, 15 or 20 minutes between a pick. I think the fr- I think they've lowered the first round of 10 minutes. I think I think maybe it not feels but- longer. <laughs> Yeah, there's also nothing happening. Like, the the point of, like, watching, not the point, but, like, watching the draft on TV is, like, somewhat tolerable because it's, like, there's the you're, they're overloading with stats and highlights and, like, talking heads and everything. But, like, what were they actually showing? Was it just, like, video screens showing a simulcast of the, of the broadcast? Or, like, what were you looking at, like, in the, like, 95% downtime? No, probably 98% down. There's just nothing going on. Yeah, it's just, like... Steelers are on the clock, and they might have some, like, highlights of, like, the Steelers. So it's literally like you're at a music festival, but it's, like, between sets. Intermission, yeah. yeah. That's, 
so like the worst part okay yeah that's that's terrible okay yeah, so we were like, you know, like we saw like the first couple. We're like, okay, we get it. Would you it. have paid money? I, I know you said it's free. I know it's free, but would you have paid money for a ticket or no? Uh, probably not. There's stuff there, and but it's mm-hmm. but you're absolutely right. It's a music festival where like ninety. Was it held at the Raiders Stadium or where was it? Uh, it was in the parking lot of Caesars. So oh, they, okay, okay, sure. So they built a tent, very much looked like a music festival tent, and okay. then like. And the the floor is, like, all, like, season ticket holders and, like, fans that got, like, seats. So you're, like, behind that. Right. So I was actually right in front of, like, the college game day set, like, that broadcast. Like, because that was, like, facing the stage. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, the cameras mm-hmm. would be, like, pointed at the guys and then the stage was behind them. So I, I didn't mention it to anyone, but I'm sure if you were watching, like, college game day broadcast on ESPN I was like right in front of that booth you probably saw the back of my jersey because I'm facing the stage too gotcha okay cool Ice Cube was there I was like right behind him we're like okay you know we get it and it's hot we're like we're gonna just drink a bunch of water sit in the back of these picnic tables and chill until it gets closer to 20 or you know pay attention to see if there's anybody like trades or we hear anything the Steelers move up because that's what I pretty much care about right so um I'm sitting there, and the whole time my mom had been telling me when I'm leaving for Vegas that the local Pittsburgh classic rock station was broad doing their broadcast from Vegas for the draft, which is very Pittsburgh of them. They essentially just, like, suspended all actual talk radio in the mornings, and they were just, like, doing draft analysis Okay. <laughs> for, like, the past week, okay? Or, you know, like, the past, like, they, they like, joined, like, the media tent or whatever at Vegas. So I'm like, yeah. So she's like, you got to go find them. You got to go find them. I was like, yeah, whatever, mom. Sitting in the back at the picnic table, got my Duck Hodges jersey on because I thought that that was like, it's one of my favorite Steelers jerseys. Weird time in Steelers history. And I was like, this is like a wacky jersey that I got. So I'm going to wear my Duck Hodges jersey just for fun. And I'm sitting there and um, I heard these like guys come up on me. They're like, you're wearing a Duck Hodges jersey. Like you got to tell us why. And I look up and it's, the local Pittsburgh radio station, like the host that, you know, you hear on the morning every, every day. And it was them just standing at our table. They saw me in the Duck Hodges jersey. So they start talking to me and I'm like, oh, this is like awesome. My mom has been telling me to come find you. They're like, who's your mom? And I was like, this is my mom. You know, this is where she works. You know, she's like in Pittsburgh. She listens to you guys all the time. She's going to be really amped to know that like I ran into you. And they're like, oh, that's so cool, whatever. And, like, we talk, and, you know, they're asking me about the draft and how mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I'm like, cool, but he's, like, kind of recording on his phone. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. So, like, I get excited. I'm like, oh, like it's not like for, It's not like an interview. They're just talking to you about, like, what's going on or whatever. They're they're kind of interviewing me, but it wasn't, like, a fi- you know what I mean? It right, wasn't, yeah, okay. like, official. So I was like, but, you know, and Matt was laughing because he was like, oh, it's so funny. We had been, like, boozing and chatting, but as soon as, like, the radio guys came up, you started talking to them in radio like we do on here, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You just, like, have the, the rhythm of the, like, I talk, you talk, here you go. So, like, I just knew. They were, like, so then they get infatuated. And when it's over, I'm, like, hey, one of the guys that is on the radio, Billy, I was, like, you know, my mom knows your mom. Like, she she's a really funny lady. I've met her before, too. Uh, she's really cool. So, like, you know, tell her that you ran into me. He's like, I can't believe this. This is wild. So Monday when we came back, 
my mom calls me and says that like she heard somebody on the radio mention me, her, that I knew his mom, that I was wearing a Duck Hodges jersey, shout me out. So um, I was yeah. Like, you sent me the clip. I heard it. It's it's like they don't say you. No, they they, they do say Joe and they say your they mom's do say name. Joe. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 wild. It's really crazy. So like that like, was and the, and the whole like gist of the thing is just like I can't believe that we ran into like he's like you know you can't get away from Pittsburgh or whatever. <laughs> yes. It's like I can't believe that we were you know twenty five hundred miles away basically and like we found somebody who like knows my mom. Like what? Yes. What? <laughs> exactly. It wasn't even like about the draft. It was more so about like the how did we run into somebody that knows my mom wearing a Duck Hodges jersey? Although I will say, so my mom is always the kind of person because of like just like her role in like you know schools and like the church and whatever that wherever we would go she would know people and like we. Would would be like in Disney World on vacation. She would run. I'm like, how do you know people here? She's like, I don't know. It's just like there's people around. I'm just like, how? Yeah, how? so exactly. Moms know everyone. Moms know everyone everywhere. They absolutely do. And like, you know, if you have like a chatty mom or a, a mom that's like in the mix, then like, yeah, she knows everyone. So, um, my mom was like fully ecstatic that she got shouted out on the radio, like one of her favorite stations. That was really cool. Tons of good food and stuff that I'll skip. But the other thing that we did is we went to Circa and we went to Stadium Swim, something that I was super looking forward to. Wait, what is that? Circa is like a new hotel kind of like way at the north end of okay. Vegas. But on and, the Strip, just at the north end of the Strip. Yeah, I think I think they consider it downtown Vegas. like, But it's like way, way up there, right? Like way up there. They built a sports book that's in a pool. Oh, okay. That's cool. Okay. So you can like rent and I recommend – I'm telling you this because like – you guys should think about it. It's awesome for like, you know, drafts or something like that. Like you can rent a cabana or a, what we had is a water couch, which is like a couch that was like you could put your feet in water and sit on this like goofy, you know, outdoor couch. That's pretty cool. Like has like club features in the sense that like you have a table, you can order drinks from a waitress, you can get bottles, whatever. And like, I think it's like normally like $40 to get in. Because it's like a giant sports book in a pool, but like if you get a cabana or whatever, you just have to hit like minimum spend, and then all your admissions are free. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, and drinks are gonna be expensive. It's Vegas, right? So like, of we, course, we know this. So we're like, okay, we're gonna do that for sure. And it was awesome. We got to just like sit in a the pool. They play all the games. There's a sports book there, so you can like gamble on the sports. They have all the lines on the side. There's like tables there, and then. I mean, tables as in, like, you could play craps, blackjack, whatever else you want there, too. And also, you're just sitting in a pool in Vegas. It's, like, one of the only heated pools in Vegas. So, like, when it gets dark, the pool is still really warm. Oh, they have, like, a live DJ that, like, DJs the whole time. Instead of mm -hmm. them, like, playing, like, sound, you just get, like, DJs. And he kind of knows his audience, which is, like, 30-plus-year-olds. So it's, like... House music mixed with, like, a lot of pop hits from the 90s. Sure. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Right? Like, it, it, it's exactly what you're like, oh, yeah, like, we haven't heard this song in forever, but also it's a house song, whatever. So, yeah, we sit there, and then you order drinks from the waitress. Awesome, awesome thing. If, like, you're thinking about doing Vegas for any type of sporting thing, go there. It's worth it to sit there. It was awesome. Can't recommend it enough. Cool. Yeah, then we just ate, like, a bunch of different things, Korean barbecue, some great Thai food and stuff like that. And I'm back and came home. I took like a red eye on Sunday night, landed in Connecticut, slept all day Monday, just completely from like the time I landed till 7 p.m. And uh, now I'm rested up and doing good. So awesome. Yeah, it was a great weekend all around and um, it was just a lot of fun. But check out Stadium Swim for sure. And the draft is 
cool to see once for like we were talking about it afterwards now do we celebrate like the end of the season with the draft or do we celebrate it in vegas and we're like well we got to see where the draft is next year and it's like kansas city we're like vegas for sure <laughs> like yeah well kansas city is also you know if you want to go there for barbecue it's not as cool as vegas but like i'm sure you could have a good time in kansas city i'm sure you could have a good time in kansas city but like also can you sit in a pool in a sports book and watch every sporting event Probably not, but also maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. So we're like, yeah, we'll just come back to Vegas next year and do this and um, have another good time. But I, I, it's like Stadium Swim was so cool. We're planning to go back for like one of the early weeks of the NFL season because it was just like so much fun. We're like, we could sit here for, you know, 12 hours in the pool and do this all day. So for sure. Yeah. Because Vegas gets cold. Like people like, you know, it's it's in the desert. So like at night and oh, yeah. in off months, it gets really cold. Like I also am of the mind, like my brain is broken because I only I almost only go in January for work. And like I don't want to go back because I have like Vegas PTSD. But like it's like 35 or 40 degrees a lot of the time. So like it's, you know, it, it gets cold. So a heated pool sounds really nice. Yeah. And like when the sun goes down, like even, yeah, we're there, you know, it's the beginning of May. Like when the sun goes down, it it gets chilly. Like you're not gonna like be hanging out in a Vegas pool at night in spring at all. Right. Like because right. the water was cold. We went to like our hotel pool the next morning, and the water was fucking cold in April. So, sure, that makes sense. Either way, that's my whole rundown. I had a lot of fun. I'm glad to be back. I feel a little bit more recharged. Um, what have you been up to, brother? Nothing really. My parents officially moved down to Texas, so I helped them clean out their house, like, you know, get rid of the final stuff and like throw some stuff out. And so I had, you know, not fun stuff over the weekend, but just, you know, work stuff to do like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I started playing a new video game because I beat Elden Ring, as I was, I was saying to you. And I started playing this game called The Witness, which I literally bought a PS4 to play. Like, that was like, because they announced it originally as a PS4 exclusive, like, years and years ago. Like, because, you know, the PS4 came out in 2013. So, like, I think it was like 2013. 15 or something i don't know but there's a game that uh this guy john blow made who made this game called braid and this is a puzzle game um the witness and so i just never finished it and i don't know why i didn't finish it but i just didn't finish it Mm. and now i'm playing it on xbox like the whole reason i bought a playstation i'm playing on xbox but whatever Uh, i'm talking to wes a little bit about it because wes played it and beat it recently i think um and so between that and just like a lot of the friends that i have in the discord that i'm on that uh really sort of got me through elden ring all love the witness i mean some people hate the witness but some people really like a lot of them really love it and so i've just been like you know playing and you know i think i'm going to be able to beat it probably hopefully theoretically by the time the next episode comes out so i will be on to the next game whatever by then but i I had fallen so far behind on tv because i would just been busy that like i just have been catching up on like simpsons and king of the hill i'm into season 11 of the simpsons and four of king of the hill so getting there slowly yeah but, like, I haven't started Better Call Saul yet. I'm a little behind on the HBO shows. Like, there's a lot of really good TV. I realized why all this TV, it seems like over the last month, there's, like, a crazy amount of TV. It's because the Emmy cutoff is May 31st. Ah. So all these shows are trying to release or debut or premiere before then. So they qualify for this cycle. So I think it's funny that, like, I'm like, why does it feel like HBO is dropping, like, two shows a week? And it's because, oh, they want to make sure that they're all eligible for this period. Because, like... You know, if they're eligible next time around, people are going to forget. Like, if they come out, like, in yep. June, yep. and the cycle ends at the end of May or whatever, right? So, things will settle down, I think, TV-wise. But, um, yeah, a lot of TV out there, so I'm going to catch up on that. But I've not really watched many movies, uh, so just sort of video games and sort of, you know, a lot of Simpsons and stuff and 
all that kind of stuff. But definitely did not go to Vegas. But, you know, I have my own trips coming up, so should be good. On the note of TV, we started, and I think a bunch of people had recommended this to us, but um, Abbott Elementary. I told you that, yes. Yes. Uh, like, I think you, my sister, um, one of my buddies when we were in Vegas, like, I, I had, like, a whole list of people that had told me about to try this. And have you watched it at all? No, and I'm probably not going to. I mean, it's like, okay. it was just, there's just too much out there. I've I heard get good it. things about it. Like, I, I, it sounded like one of those kind of, like, not yep. brain mush, but, like, gentle, pleasant shows that you guys could watch that you, like, always are on the lookout for. It's absolutely that. It's, like, wholesome and, like, a cute sitcom um, a lot of fun, so thanks. If you were one of the peoples that gave us that recommendation, including you, Joey, thank you for giving us that recommendation, because it's fun. We've been, like, blowing through it. It's really easy to watch. I wish there was a ton of it, but there's it not. It just started, right? It's only I think it got renewed for season two, but there's only one season so far, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah and we've watched, like, six episodes of it already, but it's, it's awesome. Yep. Cool. Totally my speed. If you're looking for something, like, stupid and wholesome, it's feel good for sure. Very, very cool. We have a Patreon page, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez, the aforementioned Brian Ooh. Rodriguez of the aforementioned High School Slumber Party, a new spinoff Twilight Slumber Party coming soon, maybe. Haley Garby's West Hampton, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato D. Donato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, Nate Milton of the Kings of Sport, Jason Rainey, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all so much for supporting us at the $5 a month level or above. If you want access to the quizzes, early access to the episodes, voting for all the pit stops, all the everything, you know, all the heist things, too fast, forever.com. Even a dollar a month gets you in the door. We also have an email address, family at cageclub.me, and we have two emails today, Joe. Okay. First up from Wes, subject line Dom's Instagram post. So not Vin, but Dom's. Dom's Instagram post. What up, fam? What up, Wes? I'm listening to the Point Break episode now and just wanted to comment before I forget. Dom's weird rambling post, I believe, was directed toward the fans, but I think was inspired by one particular comment on the Fast 10 title announcement. If you look at the previous post, it's a screenshot of a comment from someone called the Hippie Gunner, and Vin's post just says, give me a second to reflect, which I think I pointed out because I, I was saying that, like, he was doing that in a couple different ones. He had posted that. It's just, like, he was responding to multiple fans, so he was definitely in response to the Fast 10 title announcement, logo announcement, whatever, yeah. for sure. Like, he's just, like, you know, he's literally just, like, responding. Like, he's customer service for a sense in a... Essentially, yeah, yeah. wild. I agree. I remember seeing two posts on his Instagram originally, one of the full comment and one at slightly more of the Fast 10 image, and the comment was cut off. I think that one where the image was cropped weird might have been the original, might have originally been the image for his long rambling comment, but he accidentally added that photo instead of the generic one up there now. I just remember being confused about the context and seeing the post with the full comment. The incorrectly cropped picture post has since been deleted. I don't think he was replying directly to that person, but I think the idea is that this fan represents all fans, yep. and Vin uses the jumping-off point. Whatever happens is going to be one hell of an ending, ride or die, right, Wes? It's going to be wild, man. It really, really is. It's a... We have news. We'll talk about the news yep. when we get to the news. And I have lots of things that I pulled, so we're going to get there. But the okay. second... Email is from Jason Rainey. Subject line, quiz taken and daddy thinking. Hey, Joes, how's it going? What's up, Jason? How are you doing, bud? 
I was listening to Lap 11 episode about too fast. He says, I'm still catching up, but I've listened to newer episodes to hear your thoughts on all the recent crazy Fast 10 news. I was surprised to get a shout out for taking the Fast and Furious quiz. I don't mind. And as far as my score goes, I did the math. My accuracy was 69%. Dot, dot, dot. Nice? Nice. Question mark? <laughs> nice. Yes. As you all nice. said, it was hard, but it was a fun way to kill time and try to remember the movie in detail. Looking forward to doing the same when the questions for Too Fast are finished. We're getting there, bud. We're going to be at minute 60 today. Last night I watched a, a movie I want to recommend to you since you finished doing a Shaw family lap. It's called The Long Good Friday, an early 80s crime film about a gangster trying to ch- close a lucrative business deal while trying to find an unknown rival killing members of his gang. Okay. Helen Mirren, Queenie Shaw herself, plays the gangster's wife oh. who tries to keep his business partners in the dark about her husband's problems so his deal can go through. Very cool. Another fast connection, a scene of characters meeting at a demolition derby. Also wild. How many demolition derbies do you see in movies? Not many. This is another reason I wanted to mention the movie is the lead actor, Bob Hoskins. Do you know that name, Joe? No, I have no idea who that is. Who Super is Mario Brothers. He's one of the, he's, he plays Mario. Mario Mario in Super Mario Oh, Brothers. this guy. I know this guy's face in my, it's like tattooed in my brain. Okay, cool. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Watching this, I was reminded of older news that at one point, Vin had won a Michael Caine to play the dad of the Shaw family. Hoskins' gangster character is calculating, imposing, and ruthless. And while I watched, I couldn't help but think he would have been another good candidate for a Shaw patriarch if he were still alive and healthy. His Cockney accent doesn't hurt either. I think that Michael Caine has to be like... The top is here, but I can see it, bud. I can see it. Well, Hoskins is dead, so he's out of the running, but, yeah. you know. Maybe they just exhume him and he becomes, they CGI him with his brother's images and then that becomes the the Shaw dad. Yeah, you never know. Probably not, but maybe. You never know. We never know. It's always, always surprises in The Fast and the Furious. Truly. He says, I was just wondering if either of you guys had considered who you'd like to play a potential Papa Shaw. I know the movies are getting pretty crowded with characters, but it's fun to imagine. I think, like you just said... Michael Caine, great. Terrence Stamp, also great. Hmm, who else? Who's Terrence Stamp? Terrence Stamp uh, is a chance. I just saw him in The Phantom Menace because uh, the episode for that is out on 1999, the podcast. Cool. He plays a chancellor in that. He's got a smaller part in that. He plays the Limey in The Limey and Steven Soderbergh's The Limey. Uh, what would you know Terrence Stamp from? He's best known for The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, apparently. Mm. The Limey, unfinished song. He plays. Oh, he plays General Zod in Superman. The old Superman. Okay. I don't know if you would know him, but he's a great British old man actor who's just like a badass. Like, I'm going to go because, you know, you've already brought up and Jason brought up Michael Caine. I'll say Terrence Stamp. I think that's a good a good call. I, the only other person that I can imagine is like, okay, because now I'm like, you got to have like an English guy. He's got to be a little bit older. And the only person that's popping into my head right now would be like, like, it got to be like an old James Bond, right? I'm thinking like Pierce Brosnan would be good for like handsomeness, but I think he's not too old enough. Close in age, yeah. That's that was my qualm that I had. So like Pierce Brosnan's probably like as old or like maybe no, he's not as, he's not as young, but he's like not that much older than you know. Forget even Helen Mirren for a second. Like he's probably like the same age as Statham. That's what I was saying. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But like in theory, he's a good candidate in my head. That like he would be like you oh know, well, okay. He Statham's 54, Pierce Brosnan's 68. Still, you know, Roger Moore died. but he Yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Sean Connery is dead, right? Daniel Craig's yep. too young. Yep. Timothy Dalton? 
think he got to be dead too. Right? He's seventy six. No, he's still alive. Okay, so that that so there you go. So George May... Lazenby, one of my favorite Bonds, eighty two. He's only a one Bond movie, but you know. But I do think ultimately Michael Caine is the right. That's that's like the top tier pick. So I'm gonna send you. Hold on, I want you to watch one clip. Go ahead. You tell him. You tell him I'm coming. Tell him I'm fucking coming. Oh yeah. Yeah, that would work for sure. Yeah. Yep. So very good. The limey is basically, in a way, like British taken before taken, but like good, not like pulpy, and like Soderbergh because Soderbergh directed it. So like, that's the ballpark. I think you would probably like the limey. Limey's great. Limey kicks ass. So I think worth. I would too. It's also 1999, so we'll cover it on 1999 on the podcast. Also, so yeah. Ooh, cool. Jason says that's all I've got for now. So ejecto cito cuzzes till next time, Jason. So thank you. Thank Jason, you for, for writing, writing in. Yeah. And thank you for making us think about that. That was a good uh, little thought process there. Also, don't be surprised that we give you a shout out because I want to encourage people who are patrons to take the quiz and who are not patrons to sign up for the Patreon to be able to take the quiz. So anytime somebody takes a quiz, we're going to talk. So I mean, hopefully you get a good score because again, sixty nine, nice, pretty good. So hopefully you don't like bomb it, but. You know, it's 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 a perk. It's a it's a Patreon perk. So, well, yeah, and you guys gonna, make the it. quizzes. I, I like I as much as we like making the quiz. I really like taking the quiz, to be honest. So yeah. like, because mm-hmm. you hear us get them wrong of questions that we made ourselves. It's very yep. difficult. Yep, 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 yep. Very hard. Very, 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 very hard. Joe on the streets. News about the Fast and Furious. So there's a few different things. So. <laughs> The quickest one first is that Louis Leterrier has replaced Justin Lin as the director of Fast 10. Louis Leterrier, notably for our show, the director of the first two Transporter films. So we'll see if uh, Frank Martin and Deckard Shaw are the same person. Yeah. Any thoughts on Louis Leterrier or no? I really like the Transporter films. I think it's a good choice for a replacement, right? It kind of, it, It's in the same vein. That feels good. But... I love Justin Lin so much. I, I don't know how to feel yet, right? So that's that's my hang-up. I think Justin Lin is pivotal to the franchise. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be hard to replace him. But I think, ultimately, that's a really good choice for a replacement director. I didn't want Justin Lin replaced, but if you have to pick someone, that's in the top tier, I think. There was also news that broke and then was elaborated, and I read this article, and I don't know if you read the article, but I have quotes from that. But there was news that broke that was like, we think Justin Lin might have left because Vin Diesel was, quote, difficult. And so we're like, hmm, okay, that's, you know, unfortunate, but whatever. I read I, I read some version of this article. It was probably not the, the source material, but I read, like, some screen rant version or whatever, whatever version that's picking from this. Go ahead. Because Reaction Rocket tweeted at us, and I'd seen it, I hadn't read it yet, but there was a Hollywood Reporter piece called Behind that. Justin Lin's Fast 10 Breaking Points. Yeah. Here's the, the key takeaways from this. So Justin Lin was handling writing on the movie and believed he had a locked script going in. But Universal and Vin Diesel had other thoughts. Apparently, they had not secured a key location because it was cut because of the war in Ukraine. The movie hadn't cast one of its villains yet. I don't know if that was Momoa or someone else. Okay. And then even as Justin Lin tried to draw lines in the sand, the studio said it would be sending to London a writer to polish dialogue for the, some of the actors, a move that was expected but not apparently welcome by Justin Lin at the time. So that's not rare or unusual for, like, that a punch-up or whatever. That does, yeah, that doesn't feel bad either. Like, I I don't know. I mean, 
I'm not Justin Lin, but I'd, I wouldn't take super offense to that. You know, you have, like, somebody else that's like, oh, well, like, Roman would say it, like, this goofy way, or, you know what I mean? I like, think what I'm guessing is that he was already pissy for whatever reason, which we'll maybe get to, or maybe just other things that aren't, haven't been reported. Yes. And then on top of that, it's just like, well, now we're going to do this, cutting, too. And then they start cutting all of his, like, authority on the film. And, yeah. like, it's more so that they're cutting his authority, not, like, sending a guy to punch up the dialogue. Like, that... Right. That itself doesn't mean anything. It's more like just like, you know, they keep doing shit to me, pissing me off. Yes, I agree. So the constantly moving target, like having a move, trying to make a movie that like isn't finished in any number of different ways, proved too much for the seasoned Lynn, who on April 23rd had a, quote, major disagreement with Diesel. The four-person meeting had begun with Diesel having new notes. It ended with a slammed door. Quote, Justin finally had enough and said this movie is not worth my mental health, says one source. Both Lynn and Diesel declined comment for this story. It seems believable that there is a world where Justin Lynn thought the script was done and Vin Diesel wanted to do a whole bunch of last-minute additions or addendums. I believe it. Lynn's departure was months in the making and offers a glimpse into the kind of high-pressure cooker environment that the movie series, now almost 21 years old, has become. It also illustrates how high the stakes are for the studio Universal Pictures, its key star and producer, Diesel, and any director caught in the sturm and drang of making a mega blockbuster. I also agree with that. I think that, like, Universal probably has a lot of pressure on them and him and this to be a success because, like, they're billion-dollar movies, like we say at this point. Like, they can't really afford to screw it up, right? I don't know if I had copy of the thing, but they said that Fast 9 or F9 made... 726 million which is especially during a pandemic is nothing to sneeze at but was like a a financial disappointment still for the studio because like it wasn't that billion dollar movie wow can you imagine that you make a movie that makes 700 million dollars and you're like well it could have been better why didn't you make a billion why didn't you make 1.2 why didn't you make 1.4 sources tell the hollywood reporter that fast 10's budget was hitting upwards of 300 million and that was without any marketing or publicity spend so generally rule, rough rule of thumb which i've said on here before you basically double the, the budget of the movie for marketing so for a movie that justin lynn did not have finished or whatever um that you know not his fault was going to maybe cost 600 million dollars by the time it was all done so and if the last one only made seven hundred, they don't want to make a hundred million dollars yes, on this movie. Correct. They want to make a billion dollars, like a billion dollars of profit on this movie. It's not, yeah. And the writing process for the movies was unorthodox, to say the least. Insiders say writers could pen action sequences, and Diesel would say yes or no to them, leaving the director the job of making them fit or not. If Diesel changed his mind, the whole quote: "The whole process is a mosaic that never stops moving." says one insider was seen up close the making of several fast movies. That seems like a crazy amount of power. I know that he's a producer. I know that he's like, this is his baby. But it's just like, hey, we wrote this scene. He's just like, nope. And the the fact that you could just like pen action sequences is fucking weird too. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's not like it's a dialogue thing. You're like, you're, you're slaving over the like every word of it. But like, you're probably, you know, it's, we talked about speaking of the transporter or whatever i'm like why isn't the whole movie like this and you're like well it's hard to do this i'm like yeah but i mean if you're making a movie you should have more than just like one or two cool ideas you should have like a handful of ideas that you put in the movie but if you were like okay i have five cool ideas for fast 10 and vin's like yeah i don't like three of them so it's like okay now i gotta do eight right because you're already next three of them so like in that regard yikes yeah it's it, it is wild to think that he has that much power though right that there's like a director and a writer 
and Vin can just be like, no, don't want that action sequence. Yep. I don't remember if I had said this on air. I did say, I know, last episode that they were probably going to be able to continue with the second unit, which they, they were. But the process of not having a director was costing the studio upwards of a million dollars a day just to keep the crew and locations on standby. Yeah, yeah, that we, we talked about that because that's wild, but also makes sense that, like, because you just have, like, all of the main stars just essentially sitting in their trailers. Yep, and also the same thing is that, like, if you, especially with the bigger names and especially with the newer names, you're like, okay, Jason Momoa, we're going to pay you X million dollars for, like, 14 days or whatever, right? But if those 14 days become 21 or 28 or whatever because just nothing's happening he's like hey man i would love to do this but like i'm getting paid this other thing i'm a star in this other like i'm the lead of this other thing like i can't do this right so like there's that ticking time clock too didn't we have like a situation where like jordana brewster was like running into like shooting conflicts in one of the movies and like that's not jason momoa right like who could be doing aquaman five Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter but like yeah you start to run into like serious serious conflicts with some of these other actors and you're like Wow, this could get ugly. Yep. And finding a director for the franchise wasn't going to be easy. Quote, you need someone who can play ball with the studio, Vin, and the actors. Notes an agency partner. Quote, you can find, you can maybe count on two hands. Filmmakers that can take on this challenge. Most filmmakers will file this under life's too short. Obvious candidates, those who had previously helmed installments were unavailable. But the production tried. F. Gary Gray, who made Furious 7, is in the middle of shooting a Kevin Hart movie for Netflix. James Wan... Wait, F. Gary did Fate of the Furious. This, come on, Hollywood Reporter. You're making me look the fool. F. Gary created Fate. You're wrong. Come on. Okay. James Wan, who did Furious 7, is in post-production on Aquaman and Lost Kingdom. David Leach, who did Hobbs and Shaw, is due to shoot a Fall Guy feature to star Ryan Gosling this summer. Even if it were to pull him off that project, the studio risked losing Gosling to another project, or worse, angering the actor who might not want to push his schedule. So it sounded like David Leach could do it. But they, they were like, we don't want to make Gosling upset, which I think is kind of, you know, a little funny for us in particular. Yes. But just like, okay. Because David Leach would have been a great pick, I think. Um, but le- the last thing I have is Leterrier had, according to one insider, always been in contention for directing gigs for the Fast movies due to his experience and interest. Now he's getting his shot. So he always wanted to do it. Now he's able to do it. We'll see. Also, like, if you if you wanted to do it, this is your shot to do too. Right, like, there's a high likelihood if Justin Lin is pissed off. Oh, I don't think. Yeah, I have. We they have not talked about this at all. I don't. They did not say. I have not seen Leterrier hired for ten and eleven or whatever. I've seen Leterrier hired. Right. I. Mm, I don't know. I. The only thing I would really truly assume is Justin Lin is not back for eleven. I agree. I think that he, if if he soured, he soured. He's leaving. And the other thing I think Reaction Rocket or someone, I could check it, tweeted at us was the shoot they're doing now is only for 10. Like we had sort of been like guessing yep. at or whatever. They were doing like a Lord of the Rings thing where it was 10 and 11, but they're movies, only going to do half. Yeah. But they're only doing the one. That's what I'm saying. But do you think that now Leterrier is going to do both? I don't know. I think, I think. It's a good shot, I think. I think that you. M- you might get two movies out of this. Like, if this goes even decently, because you kind of, like, saved the their skin. I, I think, could... yeah. I think that if this goes well, at the very least, Leterrier is going to be directing, like, another big action movie. Whether it's Furious 11 or whatever, I don't know. But, like, if he makes Universal not look bad, 
he's going to be like a hero for the studio. Yep, so I don't I know agree. if that means getting Furious 11, because if it's like, if all of a sudden just like uh, David Leach or, you know, Tarantino or Gareth Evans or someone who's like a huge action director or whatever is just like, no, I want to do it. They're like, okay, yeah. And like, Louis, Louis, like, you know, thank you. But like, you know, we're. You're absolutely right. I didn't onward and that. upward. Because if like, yeah, because if like Tarantino's like, I want to do Fast 11 for no reason. As my reason. final movie. Yeah, as like my final movie, who's going to tell him no, right? right? Vin Diesel, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I don't think like, I don't think he would. Like, I, I think that based on everything that's happened here and the fact that like they don't have a lot of options, I'm, this is a different thing. Because if they're like, okay, you know, we're, we have some flexibility that we can like push Furious 11 out by like six months and make sure we have a, a director on like whatever. But like when it's literally costing a million dollars a day to not do anything – you know they have to have someone immediately yes yeah so Agreed. i would not be surprised if Leterrier got 11 but i don't think there's anything that's the like a slam dunk by yeah lock. yeah no okay. that's fair so speaking of fast 10 joe is Dwayne johnson in fast 10 no he's still no not. but he is in Go young on. rock season two episode eight corpus christi so since last week i I've gotten confirmation via wiki that this season, like season one, will have 11 episodes. So okay. it's going to be three more episodes. So, Joe, this is season or episode eight of 11, and The Rock has food poisoning. He does. He's very sick. But once again, doesn't matter because it's just like framing device for like the, the current story that like nobody really cares about. Right. Like, do you, do you care at all about the modern day story? Nope, not at all. Doesn't matter to me. I get that they need a through line. I'm sure that it will come into play at some point, like the, you know, the little kid heckling the rock guy on Twitter situation, but it doesn't matter to me. I, I, I like, I honestly don't care about the rock's presidency thing of this show, right. but like, I like seeing Dwayne and I like him and Randall Park together, but like the yes. actual story, like, I don't care. Like, it's just like, okay, yeah, like this is, it's just a framing device. Yeah, exactly. There was a fun thing where just like where Randall Park's like, you know, we all have reason that we want to poison. And they're like, no, what? No, we don't. Like, just yeah. <laughs> so uh, but this there's you know, if you're a wrestling fan, obviously, we're going to get into the wrestling elements of his career. But this feels like, oh, here's a lot of people that even I know as a wrestling, you know, a, a non wrestling fan. Right. Just like we get Triple H and Mankind and Steve Austin, The Undertaker. Just like this is a lot of this is like a star studded episode. It's a star studded episode. Um, I'm in a lot of like attitude era meme groups so i saw a ton of like quote-unquote spoilers for this episode because they were all going nuts about it they were really really amped uh they were like stoked of like all the guys that were in it so um they've been hyped for pretty much like a week about this episode in classic young rock fashion they have like the 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 basically the baseball card back the baseball card come up like the show accomplishments or whatever and like you know the Rock is calling all these people the goat, but it seems like, based on the way it was described, that like he he feels like the Undertaker might be like the best of all time, or like he also said that maybe about Steve Austin. He's called Steve Austin the greatest of all time, but he calls the Undertaker like a six or seven times goat. So like, I, I get he's trying to like you know like I love all these guys, but it feels like he's got like a lot of love to go around here. He got a lot of love to go around, but you have to remember that like the Undertaker is like one of the arguably greatest of all times and because he was wrestling until like last year dude or like two years ago so like it was from like the entire time that like the rock is coming up the undertaker was already famous and then like just like officially retired like two years ago like that run is insane uh yeah you know it was probably like one of these kind of ben roethlisberger type situations where it's like they probably gave him a couple years too long but like 
who's going to tell the Undertaker like stop wrestling, right? right. Like as long as he's like, he's wants to do it and it's okay, then like let him fucking do it. He's great. So I can see why The Rock gives him like extra goat status mm-hmm. just because like his career was like what like 30, 40 years long. So sure, insane. Yeah. yeah. The big thing in the episode here is that The Rock has his first two. We only see one, but those first two WWF wrestling matches. Yes. Uh, we see his first one. He just talks about the second one. Then he gets sent at the end of the episode back to Memphis, which kind I guess of high school. Sc- yeah, high school Dewey had been to, but we're, this is a college Dewey. It's not. He's not in college anymore. But like, it's it's still just college, high school, and little kid Dewey, right? So like, high school is there currently. College is heading there toward the end of the episode. But it was cool to see, you know, even though it's sort of predictable. Like I got like you know dramatic TV moment chills when like he makes his comeback and like gets the crowd into it. I'm like this is this is cool. Like this is good. I thought this episode was the best this season. Probably and not and not even because it had like Stone Cold and whatever like Mankind all these guys in it. I I think you're absolutely right. Seeing him like turn the crowd around, seeing him like knowing that he goes back to Memphis to hang out with the guy who pretty much was like taking care of him while he was in Memphis. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. cool. Like and I'm really excited to see where this part goes because now we have like him he rejoins an established character. Just like just story wise. He rejoins yep. an established character. He starts to begin his run in the WWE. So like we're gonna see him like, you know, break in situations. Uh like, you know, he's going to start to, like, get his chops, work his way up and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I'm really, really stoked. This was a great one. And like you pointed out last time, he once again at the end of this episode says he's got family in Memphis. So he uses the family line. The only other thing that I wrote down about this episode that I really liked is that for, like, a moment, Randall Park does the the rock thing where he's like, this reminds me of a time that I was in college. And I was at UCLA and we were doing an all-Asian adaptation of the Hudsucker Proxy and, and the rock's just like, what are you doing? Like, this is your story. Yeah. yeah. I like seeing, like, for a moment, like, college Randall Park just, like, about to act in, like, a play or whatever. So I thought that was funny. I thought that was really funny. And in the same scene, one of the only other notes that I have is that uh, right behind Randall Park right there, The Rock has a book of, like, muscle cars in the background. Ooh. Cool. Yeah. So uh, maybe he's uh, Team American Muscle, not Team Imports. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Um, any other notes about this one or no? I mean, like, I, th- I agree with you. I think it's probably the best episode of the season, but anything else we have not covered yet about Corpus Christi? No, I think it was great. I- I'm excited to see where it goes. Now, the, I can't, you know, we, we shift them. So like now I'm expecting that we don't get another like college Dewey episode next. And I hate that they keep like s- splitting up the story because once I get like really into one yep. then they move us to the other one. So I don't know how effective that is. I guess you kind of have to do it. There's you have to do like a round robin. There's no other way that like could make you know what I mean. Like what do you do? Like a whole season of like young Dewey, and then like a whole season of middle Dewey. Like I don't think it would work, but it's uh, also just frustrating as a viewer. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. Like I feel like get what as, I'm saying though. Yeah, like, as the other two kids are like growing up, because I feel like college Dewey, the actor, is basically like, that's that's just what he's going to look like. But especially for, like, elementary school Dewey, like, he's going to age up in a hurry. Yeah. So either they move him forward, they just cut back his stories, or I don't know, who knows what. But, um, again, good show, worth watching, worth checking out. Corpus Christi, probably the best episode of the season. Probably one of the better ones overall, just because, like, it feels like they're they're they know what they're doing and also having all the stars and just having the college Dewey and all you know everything. It's just it's it's good. It's firing. Yeah, all it's, it's right hitting now. for sure. It definitely is. I agree. 
The final thing to do before we take a break and bring in Brian Late Night Slumber Party Rodriguez to talk about Fast and Furious is the Too Fast, Too Furious Minute, Minute 60, a minute I called One of Miami's Finest. What's all that? We're gonna have a little fun. Thank you. Nick Carter. Meet uh, Detective Whitworth. One of Miami's finest. Thank you, sweetheart. You enjoying yourself, Detective? Yeah, I was. I mean, you know me. Yeah. So in this minute, Brian, Roman, Carter, Monica, Enrique, and Roberto move, seemingly in slow motion, to a back room within the Pearl. Carter opens a bottle of champagne, pours some for himself and Monica, the seductress, brings Detective Whitworth, the rat cop, to the back room where everyone is set up, she leaves as Carter introduces Whitworth to Brian and Rowan and begins some small talk with Whitworth as the minute ends. Again, like, we're getting toward a thing. We're going to be in the rat scene for a while, but, like, you know, not a ton happens here. And I, I hate saying that after a minute where, like, literally nothing happened, but not a lot happens. No, definitely not a lot happens here. We just change rooms finally, but... Even, like, dialogue, story, whatever, like, we just bring Wentworth in. That's pretty much exactly what happens, so. My real, like, question here is I'm not sure what the seductress is thinking because she brings him in, she's flirty, but, like, she just, like, walks away like it's all business or whatever. But, like, do you ever read on, like, is she on Carter? Because, obviously, Whitworth is on Carter's payroll. I had mentioned in a previous minute that, like, I think he's paying her, too, but you weren't so sure. Like, what is her role in all of this? Uh, yeah, it's, like collect this man's type situation but it's also weird because like would he just like hang out in carter's club so like what is like is she necessary right that's what i'm thinking while i'm watching this does carter really need a girl that just like walks this cop into the back room for him when like he's already in his club so like he could just be like yo come to this room or whatever, right? Like, Monica could have done the same job, essentially, without seducing him. He kind of just forced him to come there. Yeah. It's just bizarre. I, I really don't know. I, I, I have to assume that they're leading us to believe that Carter did pay her to walk the detective in, but the detective already knows who Carter is, so he's already on the payroll. This would be, like, more of a first-time engagement situation, in which case I don't know if he would be at Carter's club, but... I don't know. I don't know. Like, the, we we don't get a lot, and I hope we're going to find some more about Detective Whitworth here, but there's a lot of, like, implied backstory about these characters, right? That just, like... But he knows Carter, because he says, you know me, and he's like, yep, I do, you know? So, like, th there's there's an implied history between the two. Right. Oh, and I, I forgot that in the next minute, there's something about, like, you've been on the payroll for a while, because, like, I copied a bunch of dialogue to the document, so I think in the next minute, it's like, you've been on the payroll for a while now, so, like, we, I cut that, because we didn't get there in this minute, but I think we're going to know that, like, there's more backstory here between the two, so, yeah, they sure don't more going to come in the next minute. This doesn't seem like a first-time meeting, even if, like, you know, he knew that Carter was a criminal and, like, had known who he was, it still doesn't seem like 
a first time of them meeting, right? Like, I've heard about you or something, as opposed to, like, you know me. Right. Yeah. What did you notice in the scene? Because, again, there's, you know, we're in a new place. There's some stuff. There's the one Buddha statue with the pearls draped on I thought was so tacky and also funny. Like, kind of unintentionally funny. It's just like, why? Why? I know you're at the pearl, but why? But what did you notice in this minute? Um, yes, I did like the Buddha statue with the pearls on it, because it seems kind of placed, but you're right, like, also, like, not placed, like, very tacky, like, it was like, oh, well, like, you know, we named it the pearl, so just, like, get some pearls and throw it on that Buddha over there, right? Like, it doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense. There's a bunch of stuff on the table that I'm sure we'll see soon, like, gloves, the three, the three zip ties being laid out as if they're bottle service is pretty interesting to me. Hey, you know, whatever you need, we're here to suit your needs. If you need three zip ties, no, but just like the way that they're like fanned, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, and like perfectly like spread as opposed to just like because you have like a bucket that's covered, like who set this up, right? Because they're criminals, so you'd be like, oh, okay, like you just have like all this shit in a bag, which doesn't look great for film, but like that's what you'd probably do, right? Like you throw it like all in like a grocery bag or something. Meanwhile, like, it's laid out like it's bottle service, so, like, where did this come from? Who set it up, and why? Like, so they also, now you just have somebody that just knows that you needed a blowtorch and zip ties in this back room and displayed it like bottle service. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder how much, like, Carter obviously owns this club, right? So, like, yes, he's able yeah. to do whatever he wants, but it does feel like the the way he flaunts his, like, shady or just, like, weird shit is, it's strange. I mean, it's keeping in line with Carter being, you know, a lunatic, but, like, it's still just, like... You're really just putting it out there that, like, you're just doing weird shit, right? So, who, if the person who organized this has to be one of the, like, bottle service girls, right? Because it, it's laid out and displayed in, like, a weird fashion. So, like, now you have her as, like, an accomplice in, like, actual criminal activity as opposed to just being, like, a bottle service girl at your club. Interesting choice. You're definitely a madman. Yeah. But you uh, got the detectives on the payroll, so who knows? Yeah. For sure. Anything else, though, of note in this club scene, or should we just wait till the next minute and see what else is going on there? I got a bunch of stuff listed here, but nothing's, like, super, super interesting. Um, Something that I thought was funny just because we saw Carter in the last scene is, like, there's already a cigar in an ashtray, like, sitting next to him. So did he carry—he carries the cigar with him, right? Like, so, but, like, he already has, like, an established ashtray that's, like, right in his hand spot there. Um, They open a bottle of champagne. I couldn't see what brand it was, but— it's just like normal tacky shit. I I marked a bunch of it, but it's just normal tacky shit. Nothing of interest, I cool. don't think. Yeah, I think it's all just like, like it's Bullshit. not interesting in a weird kitschy way, like the first nope. movie, right? It's just like, yeah, there's things in the club. Like we need, like we can't just have like empty tables. So like, uh, put uh, champagne there. Yeah, that's that's good. The the displayed zip ties are what got me. That was that was my main interest of this one because I'm just like, why? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah. So the trivia question, I think there's an obvious question or an obvious answer here or obvious, an obvious question. That's, I had it right the first time. What is the name of the rat cop on Carter's payroll? Excellent. And I have these names here. Do you, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's obvious, but uh, do you see the theme here that I, I, I put together? The answer is Fanica, Matthews, Munoz, Ogden, and Whitworth. No, I don't see the theme other than Alan Fanica was a football player for the Steelers. They're all offensive linemen. Some of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. Ah, Bruce, that Bruce makes Matthews, sense. Anthony Munoz, Jonathan Ogden, go. Alan Fanica yep. did the Fanica thing for you for the tip-off. Appreciate and Andrew it. Whitworth, of course, just, you know, won the Super Bowl with the Rams. He's been around forever, right? Ah, so. that's right. That's right. Okay, cool. Perfect. I like it. Excellent. I'm sorry that I only got the one, but yeah. 
because that the one that you got was the one I'm like, oh, that's gonna that's gonna that's the one that's gonna solve it for him. He's gonna know it's like, oh yeah, Whitworth, okay, yeah. But like in my head, the the first Whitworth is just Andrew Whitworth, the offensive tackle for the Rams, big yep. big part of uh, Hard Knocks, and also you know he's on the I think on the Bengals for a while, right? So. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Awesome. Who else? Can we Excellent do? choices. You did. You did good. I'm sorry that I didn't catch Failed on, me. but I did. I ha- I. I think I got like a quarter of a catch on. It's there. weird that you like figured out what the one. I mean, not the Fanica is a com an uncom. You know, it's not that it's not a common name. Or so you like you knew nope. where that was going, but it still didn't. You know. I see Matthews, and I'm in hockey mode right now, so I'm thinking Austin Matthews, and then I think Munoz. I'm like. Like Frankie Munoz, and mm. I'm like, is that how he spells it? And nope. then like Ogden, I was like, okay, that sounds familiar. But like, yeah, the the Matthews thing, I only think of Austin Matthews right now because it's hockey season. So, all right, Joe, any other thoughts about this minute, minute sixty, one of Miami's finest, which is what Carter calls Andrew Whitworth, not Andrew Whitworth, Jesus, Detective Whitworth. <laughs> um, I have a question. Do you think that we get to the rattening within the next minute? I don't know. I remember when we watched this movie most recently, I was I was thinking about, oh, we're here for a while. And I I would not be I think we're we're in this room for another three or four or five minutes, which is going to be unbearably long. But I think given how long we're here, I don't know if we get to the rat next minute. I have no idea. So I'm going to say no. OK, I was just curious. Like, I just want to just, you know, you're off the top of the cuff. I don't thoughts. think so. I think I think given how long we're going to be here. I don't think so. There's like another minute of dialogue before they like strap them down and mouse them. Like I, I don't. This is going to be an exaggeration, but there, like, there might be even like a full minute of like strapping him down or something. Yeah, fair. So. I think so too. All right, Joe. Let's take a break. Let's bring in Brian and let's talk about Fast and Furious. Episode number 237, Fast and Furious. This episode's brought to you by the Grave Robber Unholy Rye. What would happen if they tapped some of their sinister staff and added it to their whiskeys? They found out. Shout out to Tamsworth Distilling. Well, shout out to them and welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. I realized that this should have we should have done The Shining for this episode because do you know why we should have done The Shining, Joe? Why? Room 237. I was like, why does the number 237 mean something? Because it's the name of that documentary, but like it's the it's a very particular hotel room in The Shining. So Yes, it is. 237. This is the Shining episode. Welcome with our Shining guest. We can do it that way. Shining <laughs> guest at Oh My Rodriguez on Twitter. We have Brian Rodriguez. Hello, yes. Brian. Hi. Trying welcome. to boost your personal brand. Everybody knows High School Summer Party, but nobody knows Oh My Rodriguez. Yes, trying to boost the personal brand as I have some things in the works, as I've had for a while uh none of them are a pop-up but uh they are they are they are cool stuff coming so thank you for having me once again which one are we doing today which one we are doing fast and furious number four 2009 so two things before we get into this movie there are two things that have happened since we stopped recording the intro about an hour ago number one reaction rocket tweeted at us every may the 4th i get to thinking that i wish there were a day like this for fast and furious fans 
but I've never been able to think of what day it should be. If only there were 13 yes. months in the year, it could be 1327. Damn you, Earth's rotation around the sun. Slow down. Hashtag fast X. And then he said, mm. at too fast, too forever. Any suggestions? And Joe, you said, actually, I'm not going to say what you said, because I want to see if Brian has an idea. Because obviously, the, the the first date that popped into my mind was 1327. Agreed. Was Same. our January 3rd, 2027 barbecue that we're going to have at 1327. Yes. But Brian, if you were going to celebrate on an annual basis, like today as we record is May the 4th, the Star Wars Day, May the 4th be with you. If, is there a day of the year that you would nominate as Fast and Furious Day? Because the problem is, like, so I was thinking, hmm, movie things, like Too Fast, Too Furious, but that's already Groundhog's Day too, too. So, and that's okay, not a popular installment of the series. It's your favorite though, isn't it? it uh, it's up there. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it today. I'm vacillating on this series, Ooh. but but on the well, series, we'll get, into, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But I don't know. I, this is a really, really tough. Joe, one. do you want to share your idea? Yeah, I, I went, uh, which is actually strangely now that you said it out loud, close to thirteen twenty-seven. Yeah. But I went January fourth, which is quarter mile at a time. Oh, oh. I like that. So we could do one four. So here's here's what's exciting, Joe, is that in 2027 we celebrate one three two seven, right? Yes. Wake up the next day, look out from across the street at thirteen twenty seven because we like we hang out there, but we have a you know the, our dream, right? We own the house across the street. Yes. Next day we exactly. celebrate one four, and then two days later we celebrate one six. <laughs> <laughs> we just have a day in between of downtime. I, I'm not. I'm not a. The day that the conservatives that. had a pop up in front of. The- yeah, they had their own <laughs> pop up in Washington D.C. I'm. Try- I have my own Twitter account now. I'm trying to be PC. I'm not going to comment. Did you have an idea? Uh, no, I think one four is good because I think I. You know, the first date I thought it was one three two seven. Yeah. The thing is that there's not a lot of numbers associated with the franchise, right? Like it's. I don't know. Let me think about it. Really not. Yeah, really not. But the other thing is I get the uh, Apple News Digest, and there's a People article that's titled, Helen Mirren is still growing up. Quote, I want to go through life as an adventure. And I mean, what better adventure than driving fast cars in the Fast and Furious? She's doing, she's living her dream. She's living her best life. A quarter mile at a time. Quarter mile at a time on January 4th. So, Brian, welcome back to the show. Fast and Furious number four. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, so I teased this, and I might as well get it off my chest. I had a hard time watching this one. Really? Why? I've seen it so many times, first of all. Fair. This is my first time watching it. Oh, yeah. I, I figured. I figured. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. I thought it'd be hilarious if this was the big reveal at the end of the podcast, Whenever Forever Ends, is that you never actually, Joey, watched a single one. You you were just going off Joe's like opinions and... And faking it till you make it. You just like my sister, and I. Th- I think I'm gonna make a generalization. I think this is like a Zoomer thing, that like, because I, I know that she's not the only one that does it. But like, my sister will call me, or like, I'll call her and be like, "Hey, you should watch this movie." She'll be like, "Oh wow, like the guy dies and this thing happens. Crazy, I'll watch it." And I'm like, "What?" And she's just like, had read the Wikipedia of the plot summary. <laughs> so like, what if Joey was just doing that? Like he just <laughs> read. The- the wikipedia is what, what a weird weird life no okay so fast five is now by far and away my favorite fast and furious sure. movie yep and this just and it is kind of technically but this just feels like a prequel to fast five that i'm watching this and i'm like this is cool but i can't wait till fast five yep. like, like they're building to fast five which is so awesome 
this movie was so necessary, right? Like you had to Absolutely. just reset the series, bring it back to where they wanted it to be, and then Fast Five. I saw this in the theater. I was so excited for this because I'd seen Tokyo Drift. I'd seen Too, too Fast, Too Furious. And I thought the series was just going to devolve into spinoff movies. Mm-hmm. But then, you you know, at the end of, of Tokyo Drift, you're like, wait, Dom came back? And then this is coming out? And I was so excited. And I was so, because I'm a Too Fast, Too Furious junkie, was so waiting for Roman to show up. And, and yeah. he, didn't, he didn't show up. And I remember being angry outside the theater. I'm like, are they just erasing too fast, too furious? Thankfully, thankfully, they've pretty much brought almost every character back. Yeah, they slow play their hand, right? They're like, we're going to bring them back in five. Don't you worry. Yeah. So I was eventually rewarded and people die and come back. So, you know, you get to be rewarded multiple times on this franchise if you want characters to return. You know, actually, very quickly, not to derail you, but speaking of characters Please returning, do. there's a line that I noticed this time that I maybe never noticed before, which still feels crazy. This is the 11th time we talked about it. And I definitely read this off the wiki. I did not watch the movie. As we all know, I don't watch these movies. Okay. I just read the wiki. <laughs> but speaking of characters returning when they're at that, like, beachside barbecue or whatever at the beginning of the movie after the heist, right? And yes. Han's there, and you're like, hey, how is, how is Han? Han just died, right? Like, I don't... How is Han here? And he says to Dom, cops just raided our garage in Baracoa. And I'm like, huh. So they had a garage in Cuba, because Baracoa is Cuba. And okay. this is a line like, we've, we don't go back to Cuba. We don't go to Cuba, I mean, until eight, right? I think this mostly yep. because like we weren't like allowed to go to Cuba as a country. Um, yep. But I, I never noticed this before, that like it's the return, it's this like establishing a past like a history of other locations and i i never heard this before and i don't know why i think because the whole thing is just like i think when you're watching the first time you're like how is han here but it's also just like this is weird like why isn't han sticking around but yeah cops just raided our garage in baracoa and i'm just like huh okay so i guess theoretically we could go back to mm. cuba at some point i don't know that is interesting. Well, we we did go back to well, Cuba, i know but then, we didn't really right? do anything oh, there there was like a honeymoon ish sort of thing right and then yeah. He races his the guy who's bullying his cousin, and then Cipher's there to you know pick on him or whatever, right? But like they, they didn't really do anything in Cuba. Okay, yeah, time wise, that they definitely did go back to Cuba though, because like Han dies before they're in Cuba, so we did already go back to Cuba. <sighs> so they, yeah, so they they've been to Cuba before four, because as we know in Los Bandoleros, the the short film that Vin Diesel directed, still sadly the only thing Vin Diesel has directed in this franchise. I love Los Bandoleros. It's great. But, like, in that one, Han shows up, and, like, Dom already knows him from past jobs, right? So, like, they've already... Maybe they did a job together in Cuba, right? And now they're in the Dominican. They're in the DR, right? So, I don't know. I was going to bring up the Dominican thing because, again, I'm a Dominican-American, and that was cool to see in the movie, you know, because it it, it felt so real. (laughs) Because, like, I'm waiting for this franchise to come out, and I've heard Vin Diesel likes it there, but he shoved it in, this, in the movie, and he shoved Los Bandoleros. Well, he didn't shove it in the movie, but he did it, right? So I thought that was really, really cool. Another thing I'll bring up, so let me just get all my points out of the way. Sure, whatever you want to do, man. Whatever you want. It's, right? it's my show. show. Yeah, after exactly. All, after all. <laughs> I, you know this probably from previous episodes. I'm a big Braga guy. Your name in, in Zencaster right now is Braga. <laughs> John, uh, John Ortiz is 
a one of the most underrated like American actors out there. He is so cool. He's if you look at his IMDb, he's in so much stuff. This is one of the first places I ever saw him play like a big bad, right? Like he's usually not that. I mean, he is sometimes, but uh, I really kind of latch on to him from doing my podcast with the former Cage Club podcast host, Kyle Reinfried. Uh, we did a podcast called P.S. I Love Hoffman. Was it, was it a pop-up was- podcast? <laughs> yes, yes. The films of Philip Seymour Hoffman. And John Ortiz and Philip Seymour Hoffman were frequent theater collaborators. So they were in uh, uh, Jack Goes Boating together. Um, you know, he's like a cool, cool New York actor. And I remember like getting into his work and then looking at the IMDb like, holy shit, he played Braga and getting so excited. I like these like, I know he wasn't a one-off because he kind of returns, but I love these like one-off sort of bad guys that we are getting earlier in the series, right? Um, What's the dude's name in Fast Five? I love the movie so much I can't even remember his name. Reyes. Reyes. Well, like, you know, your boy Carter Verone. We've Carter Verone, I was just going to mention. Fast minute, we're just like, he's so weird. Like, there feels like there's untapped he's potential so with Carter Verone because, like, the things he does, like, make sense. But it's just like, what? Like, you're so weird. What are you doing? And he's never come back, right? He's ostensibly just in prison, just chilling. I want him to come back so bad. And again, Cole Hauser is having a moment on Yellowstone, right? Like, he is a, yeah. na- a name now. He's in, like, Goodwill Hunting when he's young. He's in a bunch of stuff. I don't know. He's talented. That Carter Verone character, you're absolutely right, is weird as hell. Like, he's, like, just this Argentinian, supposedly, in in the movie. Just overprotective. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Bring Carter Verone back. I'm glad they brought uh, Braga back. I want, like, a Sinister Six of Fast and Furious villains. The later ones, right? Like, it's all connected. Well, Braga is connected, too. Like, that's what we learn, right? Like, Braga is tied into all of that. He's just not at the time. He's just a lesser tied-in person, though, you know? Like, he's not high on that totem pole. Do you think he's in that, like, highest level? No, I don't think so. I think he. I think given time, he would probably work his way up. We also don't know if, if Cypher is the top of that totem pole or if there's a, uh, you know, true, a face true. above her. But he's an, he's an international fuck. Like an international gangster that runs essentially a cartel. Yeah, but international so like, like U.S. Mexico high. is like as low class, as, as like low, <laughs> low on the international totem pole as you can possibly get. The only thing lower is U.S. Canada. Cool. It's like okay. I don't think there's too many U.S. Canadian cartel members. Hey man, there's probably a TV show. Uh, it exists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It definitely exists for like vapes and stuff. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They sell like prescription drugs. <laughs> but Brian, you were saying you didn't like that. You this it was hard for you to watch this one this time. Why is that? Just not because, because it was necessarily too, bad. It's too setupy. It's just that again, I know what comes next, and I know how good it is. It feels like um, not that again, not that I hate this movie, but if you've ever watched the Indiana Jones trilogy, it feels like Temple of Doom to that. It feels like now the Temple of Doom leads to the Last Crusade, but it's like it just feels like a stop on the on the way. Oh yeah, because two of those three original movies are like perfect movies in the Temple of Doom, right? Like it's just Yeah, which isn't I love bad, Doom. but it's just I Of course you do. Doom. It's the bad one. It's not it's, bad. It's not bad. It's just It's, it's my favorite. I think one. it's objectively <laughs> the worst of the three. It's a good movie as opposed to a great movie. It's also just weird. <laughs> it is very That's why weird. I love it. I argued it's a foodie film to Kyle. There's a lot of uh, eating of people and stuff. Has he done that as a famous food scene? I asked him to. I might have even done it with him. I don't remember. That show hasn't been on for four years. 
So we have a we have a we have a conversation starter question. Do you want to keep saying your thoughts, or do you want to dive in? Do you want us to ask you the question for this lap? No, ask me some conversation starters. That's really what I had today. Um, a lot of honestly, some of the most interesting things were the beginning. Sure, you mean the opening, like the heist. Yeah, the opening heist and and seeing the crew together, right? The Dom Brian reunited thing mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah. Like, that's something I definitely have on my list. This is what I had in my notes. Oh, it's we- it's weird to see Giselle as like this ambiguous character, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, Knowing that like later she's like Han's girlfriend. Han's and, like, girlfriend. All, yeah. all in too with the team, right? Like here she's like she almost feels like a Bond girl here. She sure. does shit, but it's like you know what I mean. Well, what's nice about, I agree. What, the, in the Bond sense, it's like Ana de Armas in No Time to Die, where it's just like. You're so cool. Well, actually, no, that's a bad example because she only's only like the one scene. But like, it's like, why are you not in it more? It's like, well, you know, maybe she'll come back. Although the Anadarmus thing is, I guess, essentially over because we're going to reboot Bond again, right? Because there's no more Daniel Craig. So I don't know. But yes, I would say for sure. She's like the seductive, whatever. Mysterious, villainous. Because there definitely are Bond girls that Bond does not get with, right? Like there are Bond girls that are like, he either helps or like is around, but there's like somebody else in the picture. So there's like movies with multiple attractive women. Cause like she kind of comes on to him. He's just like, Hey man, it ain't you. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. There is sexual tension. It's just not, how could there know, not be? It's just weird in that context for like what we learn from, from Giselle and what she becomes, which again, you could say that about anything like uh ludicrous, uh, sorry, Tej didn't look like a, like one of the greatest hackers of all time. And too fast, too furious. You know what I mean. He was just like yeah, some, exactly. some dude running shit in Miami. So there are there are character evolutions, obviously, in the series. There has to be. But I thought that was something that was not necessarily jarring in a bad way, but interesting on this watch, noticing the Giselle character and her origins for sure. So now, actually, that might answer the question here. We don't know, but every movie this lap, because this is the heist lap, we're doing all our pit stops are heist movies. And so we are building the ultimate heist team. As a reminder from last movie, we both agree that it's Patrick Swayze, it's Bodie, he's just the pick. Yeah. I was thinking about putting yep. up on Patreon, Bodie or Johnny Utah, I'm just like, I'm not going to. It's just going to be, it's Bodie because it's Bodie. So Bodie's on the team. And at the end of the lap, Brian, we are going to pick a heist team, either each of us or the Pajans or who knows what. We got nothing but time to figure that out. But if we were building a heist team and we need to nominate a character from this movie... Who is your pick? Who is the nomination? And what is your reasoning? Why do you think they are more deserving than anyone else in this movie? And just for reference, you can pick, like, if you, I mean, you're only going to be on this one. You'll be on other movies this lap. We're not, I don't know if we're going to do it in the Patreon. We might, who knows? I don't know. We'll figure that out. But, like, if you were on multiple Fast and Furious ones, like, you could pick Dom for every movie. If you think Dom in that movie is the best pick, you can pick Dom. That can always be your pick. So you could have a whole, like, essentially the meme of just, like, family, family. Right. So you don't have to, like, not pick doms. someone because there's a better version of them later. If you think, for instance, Dom or Brian or Letty or me or whatever is, like, the best in this, where you're like, also, I love them in seven or whatever, that's also fine. So... Do you have someone here that you would trust more than anyone else for your heist team? Or do you want a little time to think about that and Joe and I can give our answers? No, I mean, because it's Giselle for me. Because Okay. I Look, think my transition into ju- this was perfect. You, you mentioned Giselle, yep. like, here we go. Okay, cool. Because I, I think that if you just in, like watch this in a bottle for whatever reason, right? Or I'm putting myself in the mindset of in the theater seeing this. 
that was she was one of the most intriguing characters if not the most intriguing character so when she returned it made sense because she was cool and they were clearly assembling an all-star team for the much better fast five so yeah it's giselle for me and it would have been from day one so yeah that's my pick okay i think she's an excellent excellent choice she was on my short list for sure i absolutely agree with you brian i think that she has a lot of skills here that we see. She's on the dark side a little bit, so we know she can, you know, play mm-hmm. criminal. That's good. There's actually, to be honest, in this movie, there was a lot of good options. I thought at least. Okay, so who's like, your pick? People... If you have to pick one, because I only, I really only have one. I could, I could go to bat for two, but uh, I have one that I'm hoping you don't take. I have to go Brian in this. Ah, one. fuck. That's what I want. That's what, that's okay. Yeah. Okay, because I think that he has. We see the parkour. We see that he's playing both sides of the line already. I and I don't think I know that we like, you know, shouldn't really use like foresight, but I don't think he gains any more skills in the franchise that he doesn't already establish here. Yeah. So I think that this is pretty much like it's a fully formed Brian. Mm-hmm. I think that this is your shot to take him. Uh I like Giselle. I think she does get better. As the time goes on, like, we see her do, like, motorcycle riding and, like, you know what I mean? Like, all kinds of, like, heisty – like, when she's with the family, she has more, quote-unquote, skills than she does here. So that's why I was like, you know what? I think I got to go Brian this one. But I was thinking and, like, I think there's a good case to be made for, like, even Braga in this one. Okay. Letty at the beginning, we see so little of her, but then that first heist, like, this is actually a pretty good Letty. She's, like, jumping from the truck to truck, like, all this kind of stuff happening, too. Han is a great pick from this one with his, like, you know, reverse the car up and stuff, but also he's in it for just a little bit. So, like, I think there's a lot of good options. I'm going Brian in this one, though. So can I rebuttal that quickly? Please, yeah, go ahead. So we do see more of Giselle's skills in later films. But she has them here. It's not like she learned skills later. I'm going to argue that Giselle gets weaker in later films because she has more. To, she has more to care about. She's right? more to lose, she right? Hong, yeah, more to lose. She has the family here. She's just like rogue, and she she's more um, a mercenary here. And I like okay. that. I like that aspect about her. And if you're going to build a heist team, I know in this series will tell you that family motivates you, but actually. If you, you know, if you ever watch like a documentary uh, on TV about like uh, real mercenaries or real criminals, criminals, hitmen, it's the ones who like don't have the family that are the ones that are the most dangerous because they have less to lose. So that's why I picked And like going back for your wife is like what gets you, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like that's when you get busted. That's what we saw in Heat, right? Like it's the Nero's like his his need for vengeance that like fucks him over in the end. And that's what, you know, Val Kilmer, it it both helps him and hurts him. Like it motivates him, but also like he, he, you know, yeah, like that's, but I think that's what makes compelling dramatic characters right it's like if you just have like mercenaries you're just like yeah okay like they're great at what they do but like why why do i root for them i agree but we're not casting a film oh no i agree believe me team. i'm not trying to play devil's advocate we did it in the first episode it was a 35 minute argument that, <laughs> it, was, it was it was great radio as they say but okay no but this is this is a great argument i think brian your points are excellent that those are well-founded they make a strong case like i said giselle was on my short list and those are good points so my pick was going to be Brian. I will not pick Brian because I don't. I, I think it's just more interesting if we have three different people. But my pick was okay. Brian. My my points for Brian was that he's far more. So okay, I do want to say 
after we did too fast, obviously, Brian, because you know the order that we go in. And we're like, nobody, can we pick nobody? Because like, they all kind of suck in this. Like, they're not, they're not good at what they do. It feels like none of them would be good in a heist. We're just like, it's hard to pick. Like, I guess we're going to pick, like, I picked Jimmy and Joe. Like, we just picked, like, it, it just it sucked, right? It was just like, this is like the best of a bad option, right? Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My whole team is Suki. I know. Like, but, like, Suki, well, we don't know anything about, really. But whatever. But what I loved about this. Over, boy. What I loved about this movie, though, in terms of the heist thing and the heist lap, is that this movie starts with a heist, and it also starts with, like, oh, right, our team is good at things. After a movie where they're just, like, wrestling in dirt and whatever, right? It's just like, okay, cool. Like, no, they're good at things. It's, It's nice to see that they are not only planning and calculating and, like, methodical, but they're also capable of taking down a big heist. So it was just nice to see that return to form. Yeah, so so Joey, to your point, it's something again that made me look forward to Fast Five. But that is the purpose of this movie. It's not just a return to form; it's a switch of genre. Yes, there's racing in here, but it's like, oh, this series is going to be like a heist crime drama more than it is going to be uh, about street racers necessarily. So I'm in agreement with what you're saying. Is my point? So I was going to go with Brian. Not you, Brian, but Brian O'Connor, because I felt Aww. like he was far more competent and capable. I felt like he is planting meth on Dwight as the exact kind of scumbaggery we need. Yep. I like that he sees... He's the, a gearhead now. Yeah, Buster sure. became a gearhead. I like that he sees the bigger picture. He's like, don't run this bust out in front of the media. Play the long game. Let's take Braga down altogether. It also translates criminality. I think that all works. But since you picked Brian, I will let you have that. I'm just I'm building your case because I do think Brian's a good pick here. But since I want to have a separate pick... I will pick Dom Toretto, and I'm going to oh, use excellent pick. I'm going to use Brian's logic for Giselle that she gets more to lose. Who has less to lose than a man who just lost the love of his life? Like he is out Very for vengeance. Ooh. He doesn't care if he lives or dies. He's going to find out the pussy who runs nitro meth. He's going to take them out. Dom is clearly, obviously, he's always great. I know that he's always been, you know. He came I don't know. fully formed, I think. He just gets physically bigger. But I do think that all of the skills that we're seeing Brian develop from the first and second movie into this, Dom also takes that same kind of like transcendent leap to the next tier. And he's a great racer still. He is strong. He's a, he's able to like dangle a guy out the window without even like, you know, flex. You know, it's just like it's just effortless. And I think that he is successful. He's capable. He is loyal. I think Giselle's a great pick, but I don't think we have enough of her to pick her here. I think Mia is, obviously, I love Mia, but she's still being formed. We only have 15 minutes of Letty. And so I think overall, in my heart, I say Brian, but I think a great choice here, maybe a better choice, would be Dominic Toretto. I like Dom, and I thought this too. I do like the caveat that like Dom, Dom seeking vengeance for Letty is a great Dom. Right? But I didn't know if that supersedes like Dom trying to protect his son. Oh, that's a good point. Like, I don't know which Dom, like the Dom that can fight the entire family essentially by himself is like a super, super Dom, right? Like that's. So Joe, you're into Doms, obviously. Yes. Um, What do you look for in a Dom? Like usually like bald and muscly. (laughs) So you know what Um, I learned this time around? Somebody that just lost his (laughs) wife. Like, these kind you of know things. what I did learn this time around is that Stasiak's first name. Do either of you remember? Do you hear Stasiak's first name? Sean. I'm going to guess Peter. No. Much more boring. 
What is it? Michael. Stan. Michael. Michael? That's stupid. Michael Stasiak. I think he introduces himself to Mia as Michael Stasiak. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This, this oh. is the serious question I had written down, but uh, I don't want to jump off the Dom thing this quickly because I, I did actually want to ask you this question, both of you. What film is peak Dom? Like, if you had to give me stats for Dom, like the most badass Dom, or like, you know. I think it's six. Two, the, Six, you think so? Well, six. You can make a good argument for six, but like what I was saying before, I think um, eight against like when he pretty much fights the family himself is. I think the issue with eight is that he's got his hands tied by Cipher. Like he's not able to fully. I mean, like I know that he navigates those waters, but he's he's hemmed in. Okay, so divorce it from that for a second. Well, no, I uh, I think I think in six he does the most spectacular things. I think he he literally catches jumping across the bridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think he also remember it's the jumping flying headbutt on the plane. Yeah, there's a lot of Dom and six are just like, oh, he's doing like literal superhero things here. Like that's the one where like five is crazy and five, you know, the dragon is safe through the streets of Rio, but five is still for the most part pretty grounded six yeah. is where it takes the leap to like oh we're playing with different rules now and i feel like a lot of that is because of dom like dom's always going to be like a higher level in terms of like an rpg like he's always gonna be a higher level than everybody else but i feel like yes. six is the first one you're like oh shit like he's super powered broken it yeah yeah he's at 99 he's just maxed i think that yes that's very very true and i think that that's just like a hair under just like he's so strong in eight that he can fight the family still being handicapped which is like you know like he's being restricted and still putting out this crazy amount of like power and energy and and like doing insane things so that's why like i think he's just inches a mountain eight and we only because you have the evidence of like him fighting the entire family it takes like the whole rest of them to sustain like to uh mm. cage him and he has Cypher, who's also handicapping him. So it's like, what could he be if he broke through both, right? Yeah. Brian, what do you think? What do you think is peak Dom? No. So watching this, I was trying, kind of trying to figure that out. But um, there is there is a case for both six and eight. I'd have to go back. I was just curious with what you guys thought. I'd have to go back and really, if only there was a podcast that that reviewed all the films, <laughs> so I, could, I could figure it out. But both of you make very compelling points there. I'm less a Vin guy than ever. I am Team Rock all the way. Team Lin. It's it, it, now it's Team Lin or Team Vin. That's a much cleaner, rhymey way than Team Vin or Team Ooh, Rock, right? Lin or Vin. Yeah, but I just think that the Lin thing and the Rock thing are related. I think oh, this guy 100%. is difficult to work with, and but people were denying this for a while. I mean, who who complains about the Rock? Honestly, like that doesn't happen. One little fucking bully on Young Rock. That's all. <laughs> A fictional character. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And, and I saw seeds of this since then. The dude is just so freaking cocky. It's like he saw The Rock have like Moana songs and and like hit things. And he's like, oh, I'm going to make music now, too. It's just, I don't know. I, I'm not to poo-poo on this franchise because it is your baby here. But like, it's this shit is making me less excited for the tenth one. I'm of course gonna see it. I'll be there. But like, well, you're gonna be with that. We're gonna be there with us. I think. I think it even goes to show like 
so much of what this network and what my podcasts, like the ones I do with Mike, the ones I do with Joe, are based in is positivity, right? It's like I, I want to yeah. embrace things. I want to find yeah. the good 100%. things. Yeah, 100%. And for like literally hundreds of episodes, I'm like, we don't want to say a bad thing about it. Like, we don't want to say like, who's right, Vin or Rock? Because like, we, you know, I, I would love more, nothing else, more, more than anything else to talk to Vin Diesel about these movies. But like, it's impossible to talk about what's going on, like the current news and the current events of this franchise without being like, there's a lot of evidence out there that like things are not great. Yeah, and it, it's a shame, right? And you, you know, you listen to my show. I'm positive about a lot of crazy stuff on Ice Cold mm-hmm. Party, right? And I mm-hmm. want to be positive about this. I, I do. I'm an open-minded person, but it's just like I hate egos. Everyone has an ego in Hollywood. I'm not just saying Vin Diesel has an ego, but like the Rock thing, whatever. There's two guys with big egos. Justin Lin. Come on, just finish it strong. Not, I'm not blaming Lynn. I'm just saying, like, clearly something is effed up on the set of these movies. Um, I don't know. You guys have probably heard more rumors than I have, but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a Hollywood Reporter piece that is out there that's pretty damning that we we sort of read like half of like the good the juicy bits in the opening. So tune in to the intro to this episode when it hits on Tuesday, or as you're a patron of the show, early on Friday, probably unless I'm busy, then Saturday, eh, probably Friday. Mm, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I it's it's tough, and I, I think it's hard. I think Justin Lin, I'm sure he didn't want to quit, but if you're looking at, you know, months of shooting and then months of editing and then also being like, okay, then writing and pre-production and production and all this stuff on Eleven as well, it's just like, I can't, I can't do it, man. Like, that's, it's so much time. I don't, I don't blame him, and you're right, like, ultimately what I want is just, like, handshakes and The Rock to come back, Justin Lin to come back, and everybody would be like, like, it's okay, we figured it out, no worries, I agree with Brian that like you're getting soured from the negativity that is all arrows pointing towards one person fucking it up. I think there's also a tough thing that the franchise has gone through in that like there are things outside of its control, literally losing the Starby franchise to a terrible accident. But then to like make things harder on yourself, it's like this we don't need this. Yeah, yes. I don't get it. It's a weird it. choice. He obviously wants it to succeed, right? Sure, like yeah. it's in his best interest for it to succeed. So, like, why are you? Because this is his le- this is his legacy, right? Like, if yes! these movies are good, if like, you know, it's not going to win an Academy Award, but like, no. if ten or eleven is like great, like you know, if if it wasn't, it's like that franchise that he has been the face of for twenty five years by that point, right? Like, it won Best Picture or whatever, right? Like, it's just like that's that's defining, like that's a career defining moment, and like. The more roadblocks you put up for yourself, just the tougher it is. And that's what you nail it. It's like these seem like roadblocks you're putting up for yourself. Streets closed, pizza boy. Yeah, like, like why? Why are you doing this? And it goes back to Brian. Like, it just must be ego. Like, there's no way that you could look at this and be like, oh, yeah, this was a smart decision to, like, push Justin Lin out of the franchise. You're like, what are you doing, bud? Like, yep. just stop. Yep. Well, the, the franchise and... This didn't exist when it was created, so I understand. The franchise has never really had a czar, right? Like, Vin is the czar of the franchise. Um, he p- pretty much controls everything. And that's a conflict of interest when you're the lead in the film as well. They don't have, like, a Kevin what is it, Feige. Feige, Feige. yeah. That's what it's, 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 it's like if Kevin Feige was the star of every movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous, you know? Uh, he's wearing too many hats there. Um, and I just think back to... When I first heard of Vin Diesel, um, and it was these things coming out of, I, I don't know, it's like my uncle telling me and me reading internet 
movie sites and like how he was this big director prospect and Spielberg loved him and everyone was waiting for new Vin Diesel movies and Los Bandoleros he made, but he never really got went in that direction. Like the filmmaking direct. Yeah. Yes, technically, but people saw him as an auteur, but he got the acting bug bit him. He liked being like this cool action dude. And I think that Vin ended up taking over the artistic Vin. And we probably don't get this franchise if it wasn't for that happening, but now he's too, too much this action star Vin and he needs to go back to his roots. I would have honestly preferred if he said, I'm directing this one because I, I feel like 10, uh, I feel like that would have maybe forced him to go back to his roots and forced him to work with people and forced him to be on time and, and care about it. But we're not going to get that either. I don't know. No. I, I just hope we just get a nice, awesome ending and it makes sense and, I really wonder, and I, I don't know that we'll ever know. I wonder if he wants to do ten. Like, there's a chance that he doesn't want to do ten. That he like he's just like You're I don't want to direct it. Like, out. I don't know. Like that he's, he's out director or out actor. No, no, no. I think either. I think he's acting. I think he wants to act. I think that he. I'm wondering if he wants to direct the movie. Like because we read that like you know they have all these different options, all these different whatever, right? And like I wonder if he's like I don't want that responsibility, but he also doesn't want to give up like the. You know, you got to run everything by me. Like, he's like a shadow director, but, like, I don't – I'm curious if he actually wants the title of director. And I don't know that we'll ever know that. I Probably not. I mean, I think if he can did, you, he, he did, he'd he have it. handle that? It's, like, so much fucking work to be, like, the like lead actor in a movie and direct it. I, I can't imagine he wants that either. Uh, um, I mean, it's been done plenty. In a movie this huge – this is – like we're Stallone, like, Stallone has done it. And, well, so here, so three hundred million dollar so budget. Is, a, uh, so, so the website aarp.org, the American Association <laughs> for Retired Persons, uh, has a list of the twelve best films directed by its lead actor. So Citizen Kane obviously worked. Hamlet, but those are both from the forties. Yeah. Reds, directed by Warren Beatty, who was eighty four yeah. at the time. Yentl, directed by Barbara Streisand. Okay, Dances okay. with Wolves. Kevin yeah, Costner. Oh, maybe he wasn't 84 at the time. Maybe these are his ages now. No, he's 84 now. He was not 84 in red. Yeah, there's also a chance <laughs> that these are just all people of retirement age. So I think there might be a slant to this. <laughs> Little Man Tate, directed by Jodie Foster. Life is Beautiful by Benini. Million Dollar Baby by Clint Eastwood. Although I wouldn't say he's the star of that. Two Days in Paris by Julie Delpy. Argo by Ben Affleck. In a World by Lake Bell, which is a great movie. Star is Born by Bradley Cooper. So, like, it's it's happened. But, like... There's there's very few scenes in these movies other than when we're seeing the villain's lair or whatever that Dom's not on screen. So it's not like you're just like in your movie. You're like in every scene of your movie, right? No, no. And and I like I would have liked him to direct because I would have been interested in his return to that. But uh, the ideal situation would have been I, mean, I mentioned this to you guys on Twitter like a fo- you know, promote someone who listens to you but has their own thing. Like uh you mentioned him, Joey, like the Tanks has like two guys, right? That he usually goes to for his shit, and they listen to him. They take care of stuff, but he's still in charge. But you, Hanks, sorry, Cruz, Tom Cruise, though, you feel like he respects the process. You feel like Tom yep. Cruise respects the actors around him as well. And yeah, it's his show, and everyone knows that. But the vibes you get on those sets are that like he just really, really loves what he's doing, and we're not really seeing that. At least, again, this is all hearsay. We're not really seeing that from Dom, Dom, from Vin Diesel. And it's disappointing. You, do, you also don't think, like, I never get the sense that Tom Cruise thinks everything runs through him 
Well, I like, think I actually just had this conversation about Cruz because I think that there's nothing that Cruz wants more than to be seen as a successful actor and movie star. And I think when we saw him like flip out about the COVID thing a couple years ago, right? Where he like went way over the top and people were like, whoa, like he wants his movies to be successful. And I think that he's willing to sort of take a backseat. Like he trusts the people. But I think and that, it was for the good of everyone. Yeah. That wasn't yes. like an like an ego th- that was like, look, we need this to work. So like, it's in everyone's best interest to do this. I think also as as a movie star, as an actor, as whatever, Tom Cruise is like one of the most successful people to ever be in movies. Hundred percent, inarguably. Like the the knocks against him is that he's a little too intense, maybe, and that he's you know the Scientology thing. But like. From everything I've heard and doing the podcast about him, even though we try to separate the art from the artist, whatever, it seems like he's incredibly nice on set. He remembers everyone's names. He's been in many, many movies that are considered like some of the best movies of all time or the most highest grossing or whatever, right? Like he's just unequivocally, unequivocally a movie star, one of our last movie stars. Vin Diesel, he's got these and he's got the Riddick movies, which like are more niche and he's got Groot, but like you don't see him as Groot. No. True. That's a really good point. Oof, we have veered, and I loved it. Yeah. the moment of this conversation. Switching lanes, baby. <laughs> do you know, do either of you remember who gets the fuck in this movie? I feel like we probably have talked about this before, but this is one that I, I never remember. Who what? Gets the fuck? Gets the fuck. The fuck. Oh, gets oh. to say fuck. Oh, I was like, wait, I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it the fuck in this movie? Does, does Phoenix... Calderon, I think that's his name. The, the... Well, there's Tego Calderon. Phoenix is the other guy. That's his last name, though, Calderon. If you, I looked it up. Is it really? The oh, actor or weird. the character? The character. His alias is Campos. That's what it says in the Fast and Furious. No, Campos is Braga. I know, but his alias is Campos. Because we're led to believe that he might be Campos. So. Are <laughs> we? I'm reading the, the Fast and Furious wiki, which is... Phoenix Calderon. Okay. <laughs> Does he get the fuck in the movie? No. But it's in a scene I think that he's in. Who is it then? Brian O'Connor. I don't remember that. Does? After Tom lets off, like he explodes those cars, when he confronts Phoenix about running nitro meth and he blows up those cars, Brian pulls up. He says, Dom, get in the fucking car. Let's go. Oh, it's a fucking car. Okay. Oh, that's different. I mean, it counts, but yes. No, you only get one of those in... A PG thirteen movie, and so it's 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 momentous. Five is The Rock, eight is Helen Mirren, nine is Hobbs and Shaw. They both get one. Seven and six, I'm missing. Who are we doing? Seven and six. I don't know. There's one that doesn't have one. I think like seven might not have one. I will find out. I'm gonna look at my notes. You should allow only one fuck on the podcast. No, it's too hard. And then yeah, you bleep out the rest. Roman gets it in six. Interesting. Your voice just went from Shaggy to Scooby Doo. See, man, when a woman starts sh- sh- shooting at you, there's a, that's a clear sign to back the fuck off. We gotta get the hell out of Dodge. That could have been my forehead, man. That's not as big as your forehead. Cool. Um, and then Furious Seven. Maybe there isn't one. Seven. You might be right. There might not be one because I don't have fuck in my in my notes. And I have sixty one hundred words in my note document for Furious Seven. There is, you know, the scene where they're at the club. And Dom and Brian are sitting there, and there's, like, that awkward tension where Braga's like, do you guys know each other? He's like, yeah, you should date my sister. Dom is quizzing Brian in front of Braga about being in prison, because he's like, this guy never went to prison. Like, I'm going to call him out on this thing, right? Yep. He says, you know a guy named Blank? He goes, nah, man. Different different, different wing or whatever. 
do do either of you know? Because I'm like, as I was as I was watching this movie, I'm just like, this could be a trivia question on on our on our Fast and Furious minute, minute quiz. Seventy five years into the future, yes. So yeah, we'll do Tokyo Drift first. So we have like fifty, including the deleted stuff, probably another sixty episodes. Yeah, you know, like four four years into we'll get in four years we'll get to. Fast and Furious number four, and then this is probably, yeah, so maybe like five years from now we'll get to this. Okay. Do either of you remember the, the name of the guy? There's no reason you would ever remember this. The name of the guy that Dom says, Brian, do you know this guy? No, but I wish it was like Scooter something. Like no, it's, something a very, it's a very dumb. banal, boring name. I know, and I was hoping, like I heard him say it this time, and I was like, oh man, I wish it would have been like a fun, like a really fun name or like a nickname or something, right? Because like, who knows anybody's government name that you're like spending time in prison with? And the name, Jim Garcia. <laughs> really? That's you funny. know Jim Garcia? No, I don't know who that is, man. <laughs> oh, you mean Cheeks? Yeah, I know Cheeks or whatever. That's right. Yeah, like something like that, yeah, right? Yeah. Joe, do you have any notes? Anything you saw this time for the first time? No, I was I was mainly focused on making my argument for who would be the best heist team, and I was just thinking the whole time that these were actually a lot of great options and like we're getting to a point where I hope and think that will actually be pretty difficult to pick who is the best for our heist team as opposed to like you know in one and two where it was kind of hard to pick someone so as I was watching through I'm just thinking about that Rachel put up, made a good point when we started this out. She was like, this is a movie that I forget a lot of what happens in, which is true. It, like, you know, exactly like Brian was saying, you're so geared up that this is like an intro or prelude for five that like sometimes this one definitely blurs a lot. And I just like miss pieces of it that I don't remember when I was watching it this time, the scene that you're in the club that we were just talking about. And talking about how good of an actor Braga is, that part at the end there where he's like, broads, booze, whatever you guys want, don't worry about it, just felt so natural. Like that one little line in his like hand motions when he stood up, I was like, oh man, this really reminds me of like if you ran into somebody at the club that you knew and he's like, I'm going into the bathroom, like I just ran into my buddy, like whatever you guys want, don't worry about it, just I got it piece well you know what's really funny is that that's almost exactly what you said is like one of your favorite moments in point break where Bodie's like you know whatever you need man yeah mm. yeah i just like this like if you can convey like a casual cool i think that's really hard to portray on film it comes off so lame so often right so like for somebody to just be like to just just exude cool this is why we love han so much or why i love han so much that he just like exudes cool in moments that aren't supposed to be cool so like braga just being like yeah dude whatever you guys want like i'm out like i ain't even worried about you anymore so like have a good night peace and like that is just like really badass to me like he's not watching them like carter verone is always like what like we were doing the minute like carter verone's always like no like i have to have the guys with me i have to be watching you i have to know where you're going i have to know where monica's going like braga's like fuck it i'll get you anyways like go wherever you want yeah fair enough braga braga uh brian any other thoughts any other notes about fast and furious you want to play the twitter game i i have things i want to say but I don't know. They're not related to this film. What do you want to say? Hit us with it. Yeah, talk. Well, I, I've said this off air, but I want to let all your uh, Fast and Furious fans out there, your, your two fasteners out there, 
um, that the fasteners. I, I kind of like that. That's a good. That's a good word. I never used that before. That I'm a car guy now. Oh, so what did you do? I, I watch every Formula One race, and that makes me a car guy. That does. That absolutely does. I'm very proud of you. I'm. That's I'm, cool. I'm learning about cars. We were actually just talking that we wanted to go when they do Vegas next year. It's going to be a night race, and we want to go. So just saying that you must you must be the wealthiest person in the world but why i wish you luck the formula one's getting so popular that like for instance the miami tickets were more than the super bowl tickets no that's tickets to go it's running down the strip i just want to get a hotel that's on the strip that faces the strip while the race is there good luck paying that buddy anyway but i I, if you do it i I congratulate you and I, i hope you accomplish it but these tickets are the hottest tickets in the world now i'm so you know jealous of anyone who gets to go i don't even understand what's going on but i'm learning more and more every day about how cars are built i actually bought a book that was suggested for me called how to build how to build a car the autobiography of the world's greatest formula one designer by adrian newey he builds these cars in formula one and supposedly it's like a super fascinating book just to build a car from from scratch is amazing yeah, that's awesome. And every week they're they're talking about like new things that they can do to just get a little edge. The big thing for the race in Miami that's coming up this weekend, which I think this will be out and people will know who won if they care. But uh, a lot of teams are talking about how to get less paint on the cars to make the car lighter, which think about that. They're even, insane. They're even counting the paint on the car and Grams. stuff. And now yeah. I think Formula One might regulate. No, you have to have this amount of paint because they don't just want like carbon cars, you know, <laughs> um, carbon, you know, colored cars. They're all made of carbon anyway. But like just to see, you got to watch a race. Like honestly, the US ones, they're fun, but they're in the middle of the day, whatever, because they're here. The best ones are the European the ones. ones. That run at like one a.m. The I night one, the ones. night ones look awesome, but I like a European day one because that's like eight a.m. here on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and you wake up. And this is what I do: I wake up, I make my mosa, which is not hard to make, obviously. <laughs> uh, I, I watch, slave away in the kitchen. Perfect I watch ratio the pre-race juice, champagne. <laughs> juice, champagne. The, the ratio is important, but like. In the 20 minutes before the race, they have the craziest thing. Like, all the richest people and the celebrities get to walk around where the cars are being placed, I guess. Because, like, the cars are so light, they lift them to the start so they don't waste the tires, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, you see, like, royalty and celebrities. And George Lucas is, like, always there because he's so rich and he, and he loves pod racing. <laughs> um, <laughs> he loves pod <laughs> <laughs> this is it's, it's that's like the closest thing to pod racing, and then it's only ninety minutes of no commercials. Yep. Which yep. what American sport is that, right? Well, soccer. Soccer is the only thing. Like I used to love watching soccer on ESPN too because it was like before the internet or like when I was at my grandparents' house without like you know before smartphone, before laptops, before they never, they never had internet. But like I could watch forty five minutes of soccer and like see the bottom line in its entirety. And on yeah. ESPN two, they had like expanded stats. I'm like yeah, this is what's up. No, that that is true, but again, not really an American sport, sure. soccer. But but it has that feeling, um, cool names, and truly representative of the entire world. If you look at the 20 drivers, there's no American anymore. They're trying to get one in because the sport's blowing up here. But yeah, truly representative of the world. Drivers from you know Asia and all parts of Europe and Canada and Mexico. 
really, really cool stuff. And they they truly global because they go to tracks around the world. Yep. Uh, DRS, I don't know what it is, but I, I've been trying to explain it to people. <laughs> it feels really, really fun. It looks really cool. There's a lot of fun colors. Oh, the tire thing's awesome because you have hard, soft, and medium tires. And you you have to use at least two of the three during the race. And they do different things. And then in uh, 2026, they're going completely sustainable. How is that possible? I, I don't know. I, I think that that's like... That's that's some voodoo magic where like they plant a bunch of trees somewhere because it's... I can't imagine that it's ever going to be sustainable. They already... Uh, they they already um you know they're apparently going to use sustainable fuels and I don't know if you're like wor- some people are worried oh they're just polluting but they they will be better than our regular cars. It's it's a very minuscule amount of pollu- like every sport is bad right <laughs> yeah. just like in general like any sport like like running the lights at a baseball stadium is not good. True. It's all going to be bad, but I also think that you get you actually get great advantages from car racing because like all of that stuff eventually will trickle down into exactly and uh fuel efficiency and drag like all of these things do play a role in what will become better for the planet in the sense that like you know if you're if you can save the weight in a car to do something or save people's lives with safety features like that's that's ultimately good that's what i was gonna say joe that like the, one of the craziest things about this sport, like I love baseball, I love basketball, right? Like, but nothing happens in those sports that actually really influence our regular everyday lives. But in Formula yeah. One, the de- you're absolutely right. The development that they have there actually goes into cars that we'll see like five, 10 years down the road. Some of the you know biggest innovations in the cars we drive today have come from the racing world and, and mm-hmm. that push there to get better. So it's like, it's weird in that sense. You know what I mean? Like it's weird to be like, Oh, this is just like really testing and development for products that will be used later, but it's also a race. So I don't know. I'm super into it. I, I suggest all your listeners get into it. And maybe some of them are, I'd love for them to write you and, and, and tell oh, me. Oh, we definitely have F1 listeners for sure. Yeah. I, I'm 100%. such a newbie. I, I'm such a newbie. I get it. I'm in the new generation, and the the old people hate me. The old F1 fans, but you know what? For the rise of this sport to happen like this and, and so quickly, it's so awesome. I listen to F1 podcast now, so so just love that new people are into the thing that you always loved, and and I want to hear from you guys. Write to Too Fast, Too Forever, and everyone who writes about their Formula One experience, they're gonna get something. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> what do you just buy it you should buy like a box of panini cards so you could just send like one because they make like f1 panini cards oh, there you go there you go i'm gonna track down some some panini cards <laughs> i will <laughs> i'm sure you could buy like a lot of like you know this year's bullshit ones that like aren't like the famous super fan i don't know i don't even know what the fuck the panini cards look like i just saw somebody be like you know, be like, oh man, like look at these F1 Panini cards, and I was like, are they just drivers or cars or what? I, I don't know. I guess I'm guessing everything, right? Because that's just how it has to work. The, the two two other things that I'll say that's like adds to the drama of Formula One if if you're like still not sold. So every team has two racers. They're teammates, but the dynamic is not like there's so much fucking drama. So we didn't talk about Netflix's Drive to Survive. That's what really propelled. Um, the F1 uh, explosion in the U.S. 
Yes. Because that show is like doing amazing and it's a great reality show if you want to get in that way. Um, but again, I know the hardcore fans hate it, but what, whatever. Uh, something that you learn on that show and that it's true is like, it's very awkward to be a teammate with someone because there's only, uh, like we talked about in the uh, Ricky Bobby movie, right? Like there's only one first place guy. There's only one person who's going to go. Uh, there's only one person who wins the race. That's what I meant. Yes. So if you're second on your team, but you're second place, you're still second. You know, you, it, it's like. There's intercompetition in your own team. Yeah. So you'll have like, towards the end of the season, your team will tell you like, hey, don't pass our number one driver because he's going to lose in the point standings and you have to slow down. But there's been guys in the past who didn't do that. Like the, like the young buck coming up who's just like, fuck it, I'm going to take over this team now. And that shit actually happens. Like it, it when it comes to that, it could be like so dramatic. The shittiest thing about the sport, I'll say it, it's like, like a lot of European sports. And if you follow soccer, you know this. You're never going to get like a last place team that's suddenly going to win. You know, like it takes years to develop a good car. Um, usually there's like Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes traditionally are like the best teams. And they'll usually because it's a money pit. There's like no. Well, there's like... a cap now. There's a cap now. So it's evening it out, which is good. And you're seeing a lot more parity than ever before. But fastest car wins. There's something that I've heard that says like the two worst guys in the best car would still do really, really well. They would still, you know what I mean? And like the two best drivers in the worst car would still get last place or not last place, but like they'll, they, you know what I mean? It's not a really a driver sport as much as it is a car building sport. So I don't know. It's all fascinating. It's all cool. It's all exotic. And my goal is to watch every formula one race this year so far. So good. So yeah, just wanted to add that. You want to play the Twitter game? No. Yes. No. Well, Brian, too bad that you don't want to play this because we are going to play. I'm going to play the game. Ain't no 10 second race, a.k.a. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Come and check out our show. Yeah, yeah. So as we go on Twitter.com, a.k.a. The Bird app, find anyone who's not following us, tweet at them some kind of message. And then, boy, do we have a podcast for you. Link to the show and so on and so forth. So last episode, last time we did this was John Brooks, my co-host over on 1999 The Podcast. Again, out this week, we have an episode about The Phantom Menace. Next week is The Blair Witch Project, I think. Next episode is The Blair Witch Project. So, we talked about Too Fast, Too Furious, and I found... Oh, no. No, this is, it's classic, Joe. It, it This person did not, um, did not delete their Twitter, did not block us, but they went private. Interesting. Okay, that's so a little I don't know perversion. what Doe he said, but we said no further explanation needed, which I guess is a fair thing to say to us, uh, to a tweet that we can no longer see. Void of a podcast for you. Got a like, but from Dr. DC Podcast from Reed Vanier, uh, no points. So I don't know what Doe he said, but uh, I got nothing. So that's that's back in our roots. Like that's, you know, we, we've ha- we haven't had that in a while, really, where it's like we can't see the tweet anymore. Nice. That means you made an Im- impact on someone's life. I feel yes. like I feel like she was just like, I don't want weirdos on the internet messaging me. I'm going on private. I probably true. Joe, you found Madison at Maddie 2022 life. Okay, so I'm a huge fan of the Fast and Furious saga, and I just want to know: Are they going to bring back at Gal Gadot? Because they brought everyone else back, and I want my favorite character back too. <laughs> and we said we anxiously await the return of Gal, and we have so many theories as to how this could happen. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. 
and Maddie liked it, and then someone else retweeted it. But I don't know who this is. They have one follower. They're just, oh, it's a Gal Gadot bot. A Gal Gadot. So, Joe, you get a point. Congratulations, you get a point. Thank you. Perfect. You are up to 64. I'm at 45 and a half. Brian, you are at point-wise zero. You've never gotten a point in this game. I've never scored. John found Lewis Rabinowitz at Lewis Rabinowitz, who quote tweeted the Fast Saga saying, Fasten your seatbelts, Fast X is now in production. And Lewis said, those absolutely beautiful bastards did it again. Another new naming scheme for a Fast and Furious sequel. Then replied to himself saying, not a single one of these sequel names have been, have cohered. These guys have done numbers, subtitles, different one-word titles, puns, and abbreviation, no consistency. Now it's Roman numerals. My heart is full. And we said, we are Fast and Furious Presents, too excited for you to join and listen to our podcast, Tokyo Drift. Boy, to have a podcast for you. And as expected, because that makes no sense, no points. So swing and a miss for Mr. John Brooks, unfortunately. Better luck next time, buddy. Oh, I do want to say on the Phantom Menace episode, we had Brian Silliman, past guest of this show. Oh, nice. Someone was talking about on Twitter about a taxi driver and who could play it. I'm just saying, no, no, no. Canonically, in the Fastiverse, if there's a taxi driver, it must be Brian Silliman, because he told us a wonderful story about driving around Valkyrie, not Valkyrie, but Tessa Thompson in Men in Black, around New York. And so if there's a Fast and Furious taxi driver, it's Brian. End of story. It's perfect. I love it. Do either of you have a tweet for this episode? Have you found a tweet to share with me? Joe, hit us with it. I'm going to go with uh, Flare Titan, at Flare Titan. Uh, Finding out Roger Ebert was a big Fast and Furious fan is is the best purely because I get to say now Roger Ebert was Tokyo Drift-pilled. I would like to say I prefer my Tokyo Drift intravenously. (laughs) Boy, do we have a podcast for you. I'm going to say, we prefer our Tokyo Drift delivered intravenously. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Perfect. Brian, you have sent us two because you like to play for charity. So which one is going to be for you and which one's for charity? Since I since I talked for and, and listen out there, uh, fast versus ers, <laughs> I Fasteners. Ta- fasteners. Fa- fasteners. I talked for 45 minutes straight about Formula One. So whatever Joey ed- edits it down to, just know that there was probably probably 38 minutes more of that. That's a lie. It was like 8 to 10 minutes. <laughs> it's not a lie. Which, so, is still, which is still a very long time. So the first uh, – I'll play for myself first, and it's a uh, – uh, that's the – you know which tweet to pick there. All right. So this is playing for me. It's Formula One's official Twitter account. Apparently Vin Diesel was at the 2021 – Italian Grand Prix in Monza. He did not wear sleeves. And it says, it's only at Vin Diesel. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) And then hashtag Italian Grand Prix, hashtag F1. It has 2,000, over 2,000 retweets, 748 quoted tweets, and 270K likes. But I think F1 and other people are going to like this one. So uh, just say, I guess Vin lives his life more than a quarter mile at a time. Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. You want us to say, I guess Finn or just start with Vin? I like the, I guess, I guess. I like the, I guess. I like the, I, I wasn't sure if you were saying that as part of the tweet or just like, no, I guess no, I should no. do this. Okay. So I guess Vin lives his life. Okay, cool. Okay. Now hit us with the other one. So this one I'll be playing for charity. Cause I think it has a better shot. NJ MMA insight. OG fan. 
at NJMMA Insight. My favorite Fast and Furious bad guy, Braga. My favorite line, booze, broads. It's all good. And it's a, a horizontal, sorry, a vertical phone video of the scene. A widescreen TV. Of a yeah. widescreen TV <laughs> of that line in the film. So It's my favorite scene too. That's what I was just saying. It's perfect. I know. So I don't know what you guys, I'll leave it up to you guys what to say because it is for charity there. And of course, if the tweet is liked, myself, Joey, and Joe will all sign some Braga merchandise and send it to your house. So <laughs> something Braga related, I promise you that. I'm gonna. I, we could buy a season one of Togetherness, the HBO Duplass show, where he plays like a caring, loving <laughs> guy who like helps Melanie Linsky cheat on Mark Duplass. So you oh, know. yeah, he's good in that. You know what he's good into? Silver Linings Playbook. He's yeah, in that too. he's a great actor. He's amazing. Like, the weird thing is that him as Braga is, like, against type. It's against type, yeah. It's like a typical, like a Latin gangster type, but that's not usually who he plays, so you're so right. Um, yeah, so I don't know what you guys think would be cool to say. Yeah, Joe, how do you want to reply? We don't have very we don't have very many broads or any, but we definitely have a lot of booze. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. <laughs> Something along those lines. Like, you know what I mean. I found, this is from, like, a, a year ago. Lars Goatrich, Gotrich at Total Vibration on Twitter. Ooh. He is Rose Wave Daddy for NPR Music. I don't know if he's. He has a newsletter at VikingsChoice.org, and he says he, you know, he does a bunch of things, and he has bonus. I watched the first five Fast and Furious movies again, and there's a gif of the race at the end of the first movie where Dom and Brian are racing, and Dom does like the wheelie or whatever, and they race toward the train. Yep. And then Lars responds to that and says, I have just I lost four subscribers this morning. I can only assume they do not appreciate the lizard brain genius of the Fast and Furious franchise. I was trying to find someone tweeting about the lizard at the beginning of this movie, and as far as I can tell, I can't I can't find tweets about it. But I found iguana? lizard brain genius. Did you search iguana or just lizard? I searched no. I searched chameleon, which I knew was wrong, and I found tweets about Han. Yeah. I'm saying we know you included this in a newsletter from a year ago, but we will always appreciate the lizard brain genius of the Fast and Furious franchise. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. I'm now going to search Fast Furious Iguana, right? That's what I want. I would search Iguana. Hey, hey, Joey. Yeah. What Nicolas Cage movie famously features an iguana? Port of Call. Bell Lieutenant. Port of Call, New Orleans. I was just—I didn't know if you knew your Cage facts. I was. Just Come like, on, man. <laughs> Uh, Reaction Rocket tweeted, This week's rewatch on the road to F9 is Fast and Furious, featuring the single greatest stunt ever performed on screen by an iguana. Hashtag Fast and Furious. I will, I will like that. What has Dominic Trotto been up to? What is it like having an iguana as a pet? Why does Brian try to be a cop again? Join us tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern for Fast and Furious, the confusingly named fourth film of the series, and find out corona.sofaskins.net. I'm going to like that one, too. And even though the driver of the oil truck that got robbed in the beginning of the Fast and Furious pet iguana is okay? Yeah, so I guess, you know. Uh, there's a lot of people tweeting about the iguana, but not as many as you would think. Yeah, hmm. that's I, I I hate when I think of something and I'm like somebody isn't tweeting about that. Watching Fast and Furious parentheses the fourth movie. The opening scene is Dom, Letty, Han, Leo, and Santos hijacking a diesel truck driven by a guy with a pet iguana who loves candy. How is this not at least the third best movie? Okay, time for Fast and Furious, and okay, that man's co-pilot is an iguana. So I mean, you know, tweets about the iguana are pretty good. I'm just liking all of them. So I'm not you know replying to them, but. The fourth entry in the franchise is just called Fast and Furious, which feels stupid, but there's a cute little iguana in the first 90 seconds, so it evens out so far. <laughs> well, Brian, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Always great to be here. It's good to be 
not behind the paywall for once, so that people can can listen to me. Though hey, you're you're in front of the paywall at least once per lap, and then behind the paywall, so you no, can get saucy. Yes, it does get saucy. We talked uh, borderline porn film last time, so that was cool. Well, um, you'll be on again later this lap, but again, it will be behind the paywall because it's a movie that no one's ever heard of, but it was co-written by someone who I think co-wrote too fast. So, oh, what what is it? I don't even remember. The Kristen Stewart vehicle, Catch That Kid. Yes, Catch That Kid. I can't wait. There'll be a crossover with Twilight Slumber Party, your new podcast that doesn't quite exist yet. No, it's just a, it's a soft launch, a soft launch. So what do you want to plug? I mean, let people know, because you have a new, tw- you might have a new Twitter account since the last time you were on, and you're, you actually have two new Twitter accounts. Well, yeah, uh, but I do want to forward my Oh My Rodriguez Twitter account. That is my personal Twitter. I only have, I think, 20 followers or something along those lines. And 500 on High School Slumber Party. Not to brag, because, not to braga, but (laughs) that's not a a huge number. I don't have a blue check or anything, but it's more than 20. So follow me on Oh My Rodriguez, and I'll try to post more. Sometimes Sometimes I'll just think a thought and be like, you know what? I need to populate my Twitter account with more tweets, so I'm just going to write that here. And it gets no likes, and I get sad. You know what I realized? I was scrolling through Twitter the other day, and I just saw you tweet, yes! And I was like, that's a dumb tweet. But then I'm like, oh, wait, that was almost almost guaranteed sent the minute the final out and the no-hitter ha- happened. Is that yes. is that? that? Yep. That is correct. That is correct. See, like, okay, I'm just scrolling through, t- through Twitter, and... Joe, I see your lovely Rachel says, really want a giant bowl of mashed potatoes and gravy right now. Yep. From from yesterday or earlier today. I don't know when it was. Two likes, one comment, and oh, it's you. But Well, yeah, she's cultivated a, a following of people who care about that. You that's what I want. That's all I want. And that's my point. That's all I want. Some love. You'll get there. It'll happen, <laughs> bud. Just believe in yourself. I got to believe in myself. I got to curate more. Yeah, more. you got to just be the Ted Lasso, right? Just like tap that believe sign <laughs> and then send that tweet. Every time you send a tweet, you got to tap the sign first. So I do have a secret project coming out. I've been recording secret episodes and Joey. I know about this. I've mentioned a lot of secret projects to you, but this yeah, is one. That's why I'm wondering if I know about this one. Slightly, but it's, it's further down the aisle than you, you think. Um, and I'm, I'm going to send you some stuff soon. So just definitely listen for this one. I'm very excited. I'm very excited about this project. It, it's, it's something where let's just say I get to, uh, Watch some great films, and it's an F one podcast. No, come on, I'm not that. <laughs> I'm not. I, I basically had an F one podcast today for the 45 minutes that that Joey cut out. But uh, yeah, so stay tuned. Uh, you can check out Oh My Rodriguez for any updates on what's going on in my life there. And uh, thanks for having me, as always, guys. Uh, I don't know what movies we have left, but we'll get there. You mean in the main franchise? In the main franchise, yeah. One, seven, and nine. You're ending with one. The rule is that you're ending with one. And ten. And ten, too. Well, by the time we get to... Unless more bad things happen, (laughs) we will get... Like, ten will be out by the time... Even before you get to one. Because, like, we're only going to have one more lap this year. So do either seven or nine. And then next lap, you'll either do... You'll probably do the other one. And then after that, you'll do ten. And then you'll probably do one, and then you get to then the exciting thing is you'll have to join us for a bonus comment, like bonus, like everybody, you know, everybody who's watched all the movies with us or talked about the movies with us gets to join for like an extra. So like you'll you'll be added to the roster. And Joe, when F eleven comes out, we're gonna talk about that like eight times in sixteen weeks. Just get ready. We gotta figure out a new way to do that because it's crazy. Because we can't do what we did before, right? We just can't do it again. Yeah, I agree. One seven and nine. That's all you got left, Brian. 
Uh, and then the podcast ends, right? Yeah, it's over. I do like that on the most recent high school summer party that's been released now, you mentioned something about, like, you're graduating soon, the podcast might end, and then like, you move on like it's not a joke. It just, like... <laughs> Might be all. Might be all. Yeah. It, might, it, might, be all it might end. Who knows? Who knows? Life is life has gone pretty fast these days. If I don't stop to around look around a while, a while, you might miss it. Yeah. I could miss yeah. it, and that, that's that's what's uh, disappointing. Anyway, I, I feel like I'm overstaying my welcome here. I never do that. <laughs> hey, you know what? We've already gotten a like, but it was for charity. So one point one dollar goes to charity. Brian. What charity got it? Oh, so charity always beats you. I think charity. You've gotten multiple charities. <laughs> I was. I didn't think. Wow, good. Who liked it? NJMMA Insight OG fan, the guy okay. you tweeted at. You tweeted cool. at. I hope he becomes a listener. I hope so too. Next week, Joe. Speaking of listening, I hope you listen to the next episode. We have Justin Kleinman's patron pick of Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Ooh, this is the I just movie saw that he's talking very about high that. about. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't think it was you who was talking about it. It's a Clint Eastwood, Jeff Bridges movie from 1974. Looks like it's available on Prime if you want to watch it there. Also, Tubi or Pluto if you don't have Prime. So it's all over the place. Oh, also of No for Point Break, Gary Busey in the film pre motorcycle accident. So oh, interesting. That'll be fun to mind. see and talk about. Yeah. yeah. But Brian, thank you once again for joining us. You'll be back in July for a behind the paywall episode. About catch that kid. Ooh, I can't wait for that. Oh, sorry. There's one thing I forgot to mention. <sighs> what? What? Uh, Corey, the Corey movies on High School Slumber Party. Check them out. Uh, I have a ton in the can that I just have to edit, including a uh, fast connection on the episode for Fast Getaway. Definitely listen to that episode because well, that one's already out. Though, make it clear that like that's not. Oh, one sorry, sorry. That's that one's already out. There, yes. there is a there's a pretty big fast connection. There's a huge fast connection in that one. I think the fans of this show will really like uh, the insight in that movie. Like Mike and I, uh, Mike Manzi, my co-host on the Corey films. I think you've heard of him here on this show as well. We're familiar. Uh, there was a huge fast connection there that blew Mike's mind on air. You know what my favorite thing about High School Slumber Party, uh, Corey Lap is? Blowing Mike's mind, because we do that so often. So, But definitely check out the Fast Getaway episode, so I wanted to mention that. And thank you guys for having me. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash forever or at forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at TooFast2Forever.com and our store at TooFast2Forever.shop and come back next time for Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And that was Oh My Rodriguez on Twitter. Go follow him. Give him some love. Like his tweets that have no context. And we'll tell you all about it. When we see you again. again.